Have you heard of the Bellsmith? If not, you need to check them out. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. They make the most unique bells. I currently have them making one for me and my son after our trip to Omaha. They are known for making the most unique bells for supporting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They have a line of game day bells, plus their premium artillery, grand slam, lefty, pirate, swashbuckler, and junction bells. So check them out today and get your custom-made bell. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight is season four, episode one, titled Catching Aces. We have on tonight Mississippi State baseball catcher, newly crowned national champion, Logan Tanner. So, man, it's such a big episode. I, I don't want to waste any time, so let's dive into it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, Logan Tanner. All right, Logan, my man, welcome on to the show. We, um, we're glad to have you. I mean, I'm sure the past few months have been quite the, the ride. Um, we want to get into national championship. We want to get into Mississippi State. We want to get into all those things. Um, but first, man, I, I really got to ask. Um, I'm not a big social media guy, but um, I did see a picture that came across my, my desk. Uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that Jim sent this picture my way, but you got some short shorts on, bro. I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, if, if, if maybe I'm just out of touch with what the trend is, or if you're just trying to get them, them quads and them hams tanned up. So, you know, talk to me. Am I, am I missing the boat on the, the, the shorty shorts? Uh, I mean, every, every now and again, I like to wear some short shorts. I had to let the, the thighs get some sun. I know it's going to be outside all day and they're, they're pretty white right now. So I had to let them get a little bit of sun. Hey, I, I feel you, man. Every, every, every so often, man, you got to let them things breathe. So, um, no doubt. you know, obviously we didn't come on here to talk about quads and hamstrings and, and legs and stuff, but you know, take me back, Logan, man, take me back to where you're from. Let's give the audience kind of a, a an inside look at, at how, how you grew up and, and how you got into baseball. Uh, from George County, Mississippi, uh, down on the coast, about in between Biloxi and Mobile, so 40 minutes from each place. Um, growing up, I was always involved with a baseball or football or anything I could throw. So, I mean, I've, I've been playing since I was four or five years old, and it's uh, – it's always been a part of my life. So was there a, a, a push to get into sports or is it uh, something that maybe brothers or sisters or mom or dad, you know, was adamant about, or was that playing baseball or playing sports in general? Was that a decision you made on your own? Um, my mom played softball in college. Uh, my dad played baseball in college. Uh, my uncle got drafted. He played in college. Two of my other uncles played in college. I mean, uh, sports are always, always been there. Um, but I mean, nobody really forced me to do anything. I, I was, I was, I could do whatever I wanted, but sports were what I wanted to do. Yeah. So when, when you talk about sports, was baseball the only sport or were you a football, basketball guy? The re reason I ask is because we have baseball guys come on and, 
some guys that you are, are teammates with will come on here and say they were great at these other sports and and, and I just have a tough time believing that. So uh, what sports did you play growing up and, or was it just baseball? I uh, played baseball and football all the way till my sophomore year and I played basketball all the way till I got out of school. I got you. So how, how long, um, how long did it take, you know, at, or what, at what age did you start? Was this something where, you know, as soon as you could run and, and, and grab a bat or catch a ball, you were out there playing team sports or uh, was it something that you found later on? Uh, it was it was something I did as soon as I could walk and run around. Um, started playing sports, started playing baseball on a team when I was four or five, and I started playing football two years older than me when I was five. I started playing tackle football. Was there any any athletes growing up that you idolized or wanted to to be like? Um, I wanted to be like Buster Posey when I played baseball. Buster Posey, Yadier. And oh, no doubt, no doubt, go Giants. Um, and um, can you say that one more time? Go Giants. I'm go. not a Braves fan. I'm actually a Red Sox fan. But he's not even a Giants fan. He's wearing that hat because he won a bet. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a bet. I mean, they they've been the best team in baseball all season, and they just proved it for three games this weekend. So, I mean, that that was an easy. Easy agreement. Um, um, you, you say it was easy, but the Dodgers actually held the lead for, for three days last week, and they gave it back on Sunday. Well, because they played each other, and that's what happens when you, <laughs> when you, when you, need, when you need to win. You, you play the team that you got to beat, and that's what happens. But we'll talk about that later. We'll get into the Giants. We'll get into pro baseball, um, you know, because I, I feel like, Logan, man, you're on a trajectory that might, might push you in that direction. Um, and, and we do want to get into that, but, you know, as a kid growing up, like I, I envision all these athletes, they are such high caliber athletes are playing at the highest levels. Like I picture them growing up as being the best player on every team, no matter what they go out there and do, whatever court field that they step on, they're the best player. Um, you know, was this the case for you or were you a late bloomer or did it take a little bit to kind of transition to the elite level that you see yeah, or that we see today? Um, I always like to play with kids that were older than me, so I wouldn't be the best player on the team. And it would, it would make me play better and make me a better player. Even football, baseball, it didn't really matter. So I always played up when I was younger. And then, you know, doing that, when you come back to kids your own, when you come back and play with kids your own age, you end up being one of the better ones on the team or on the field or wherever you're at. And uh, I think that helped me a lot. So who were some of these teams that you played for, um, you know, prior to high school? Obviously, travel ball is, is, is the thing that everybody does. And there's many organizations down in the Mid-South. But what was the one that, that you chose to play with? Um, before I got to high school, I played with a bunch of kids from my hometown. We were the Gulf Coast Thunder. And then once I got to high school, I, I transitioned to a bigger organization. I went and played with Team Georgia. I played with Cam. And we've been playing together ever since then. Man, I'm sure that's, that's quite, a, quite a change when you go from 
George County High School to playing for Team Georgia, and you're essentially, you know, moving out there and playing and doing all baseball. It's almost like a um, MLB schedule and structure as a high school kid. Um, so, did you know in high school that college, like, were you were were you trying to put yourself in a position to go to college and play baseball? Um, or was baseball at the college level something that slowly through high school and through travel, you were like, oh, man, like, I, I think I can do this. Um, I, I definitely knew all the way through high school, going into high school, that I wanted to play college baseball. And it was just a matter of finding where I was going to play. If that had been JUCO, it had been a JUCO. But thankfully, I got to go to – the school I always wanted to go to growing up, coming to games here, it was a, uh, it was truly, it was awesome. It was an awesome able to come here. So you mentioned Team George as your travel team, but you did you did attend George County High School. So what what was that experience like at George County? And kind of give me a summary of the seasons. Um, what your best season was personally, and what your best season was as a team. Um, my eighth grade year, I got pulled up. We lost in the state championship. My ninth grade year, we lost in the state championship. And then my junior year, we lost in the state championship. But my best year was probably on the mound. It was my junior year. Uh, I had a really good year on the mound that year. And then hitting wise, it was probably my senior year. But I, I really wasn't that, that great at the plate before I came into college. Um, I didn't hear much power. I hit for a decent average. I just walled a lot, and I got on base a ton. Were you – obviously, you were athletically gifted and athletically driven, but were you as – you know, and be honest now, um, were you as academically driven as you were athletically? No shot. Um, I wanted to do anything and everything sports and absolutely nothing school. That was, that was basically how I, I – thought about it <laughs> but I mean obviously you you did enough to get you to get you in and, and obviously yeah no doubt no doubt I got, I got enough through yeah so to get in there so you got to give you, you got to pat yourself on the back there because you, you knew what you wanted what the end goal was and, and you're there so like you set a goal you put it in front of yourself and you achieved it but in the midst of trying to capture this goal and get to the next level what were some some difficulties you know were, was it just the uh, playing with kids older? Was it the development? Was it the velocity? Was it the speed at which the game was moving? What were some difficulties that you had as you continued to grow and develop throughout high school? Um, I've never really had a problem with gaining velocity or hitting velocity or anything like that. Uh, Playing with kids older than me, uh, I had been doing it my whole life, so that really wasn't a problem much either. Um, I think the biggest problem was just trying to get colleges to – bigger colleges to recruit me because I didn't get any bigger scholarship offers from bigger colleges till like, my junior summer or fall. And uh, that was probably the hardest thing was just trying to get a, a college, like an SEC school, to look at me. And I, I had been talking – talked to all the JUCOs and some of the smaller schools. And I was just, that was probably the biggest challenge, just trying to get bigger schools to 
to trust me and recruit me. So, all right, so let's go there. So then you're playing, you're excelling, you're getting better. Um, the things that are, are difficult start becoming easier because you're putting in the time, you're putting in the work. So what was it that enabled you to get these SEC schools and these Division One schools to start noticing you? Performing in front of the right people would definitely be at the top of the list. I mean, once you can get all the eyes on you, but if you don't perform in front of the right eyes, then nobody's really going to look at you seriously. So I ended up performing really well in front of a, a bunch of high-level guys, and that uh, that really took it to the next level. So was it – was it any one performance or was it just a, a series and a collective group of performances uh, in front of the right people? And then your name starts going on one team's radar. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, it starts from one or two teams noticing you to like six or seven. Is that how it went down or was it, oh, it was this game where I did this. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, all hell broke loose and all the colleges started contacting. Um, there was a game in Georgia that I pitched. And up to that point, nobody had seen me throw harder than like 90 or 91. And then I went there. It was like the first event of the summer and I was up to 96. And people started, started contacting me a lot. And then in the fall, I played really well. And that's when I got a, a ton of a ton of contact from everybody, and that's that's basically where everything started to come fruition. So, what were some of the schools? Um, you know, I guess give me three or four schools that were, you know, heavy on on your recruiting list. Um, Mississippi State, obviously, uh, I was a big fan of North Carolina and Clemson. And Florida State, I liked all those schools. Uh, I, I just watched them growing up, and I just – I liked them a lot. So, with a, a list that – I mean, that's that's quite the pedigree that, that you're listing off there. Like, any one of those choices would have been an amazing choice. Um, obviously, you know, the opportunity to compete at a high level, the opportunity to get exposure at the pro level – the opportunity to win a national championship and the opportunity to get a, a good education for like the points that I think everyone looks for um, as a player when they're picking colleges and you probably couldn't have gone wrong with any of those choices. So what is it that drove you to your decision to go to Mississippi state and why eventually did you land on Mississippi state and you go, you know, that's the place for me. Um, I had been going to state games since I was 10 years old, state football games, and I've, I've been to a bunch of baseball games at the old dude. And the fact that they had, they had never won a national title was very intriguing to me. Like, it'd be awesome to bring the first one home. Um, and it wasn't – it was it was far enough away from home where – I could get away, but it was close enough to go back if I needed to. It wasn't halfway across the country, and it was it had it was just the perfect situation. So now I have to ask this because, you know, obviously when I look at the state website and I look at your bio, you're listed as a catcher. However, 
you know, this conversation has opened up while well, the fact that you threw 90 plus from the bump, like did Mississippi state say, Hey, we want you just to be a position guy or was the plan for you to pitch and play the field as well? Coming in, I definitely thought they saw me more as a pitcher just based off what I had done throughout high school. And then my freshman fall, I had a, a pretty good fall at the plate. And then some a guy transferred, a guy got injured, and then I was I was there. I was the front guy. I had to uh during the COVID season, I mean, I had to I had to be the one to catch and it's it's all gone up from there. Yeah. Safe to say it all worked out considering uh, what I've seen of you at catcher and what everyone else has seen. And so we're going to get into everything Mississippi State. Let's start with, um, you know, what did it feel like when you got on campus at Starkville and you were officially a student there? Um, it was it was awesome. Moving into the dorm, probably top five worst experiences ever. It's always hot. It's a million degrees. But just – you know, leaving home for the first time, I wouldn't say the first time I've lived other places during the summer and stuff, but moving up to college was awesome. Become Knowing I was a student at Mississippi State, that was that was a dream come true. Um, getting up for the summer, meeting all my new teammates, the freshman class, meeting all these new guys. I had known some before, but uh, it, was, it was a surreal experience to finally get up here for sure. Yeah, I imagine so. I absolutely love Starville. I actually got a backpedal because I just got a message come through. Daniel, you're going to love this. I love when we get breaking news during an episode. So I just found out that, you know, we have had maybe 12 or 13 DeSoto Central players on here. Now, I just found out that George County beat DeSoto Central, Logan's team against Cameron's team, 5-4 in high school. Is that true? Yep, and then they won the next two games. They that did happen in the state championship. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad to hear that because you would think all this DeSoto County talk, this DeSoto Central DC, you would think that those guys are unbeatable. So it's good to know that somebody did actually beat them. Well, the reason I brought it up was Logan was the pitcher, and so he said they lost the next two games, which is unfortunate for him, but he. Yeah. did well even better even better so i know i threw us a curveball but you know when i get a text message that comes through that gives me information it's a little late but i had to throw it in there we had, we had to throw a little jab at dc when we could get one in there give logan his give his props but you know you talked about the feeling on campus um you know the dude is just something else um you know that freshman season the first time that you step out there uh and that and that maroon and white, and you get to play in front of those fans. What was that like? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, the first game of the season, I came in, I think the fourth, and was a defensive replacement. I threw out, I think I threw out a guy that inning, and uh, I think that really calmed the nerves down. Then the next day, I got my first start. I think I went up three for four with a homer and a double. And that was my my first hit as a Bulldog was a homer, which was awesome. Yeah, I got that um, noted against Wright State, man. Ain't no, no better way to, to get that first hit than put it over the fence. 
Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It was a, it was a, I blacked out, missed first base, had to go back and touch it. Raleigh was, Raleigh self was yelling at me, come back, touch the bag. And I was, it, it was crazy. It was an awesome moment. Yeah, I imagine so. And so, and that was, that was at home. That was at the dude. Yeah, that was at the dude. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine what the, uh, the emotions are like uh, for sure during that. You know, that was really the only thing I was going to note on because, you know, we've talked to so many of your teammates and we've kind of got what Coach Lamona said to you. We've got the feelings, you know, basically across the board, it's unanimous. It sucked. It was terrible. You know, y'all got the news dropped to you. Y'all were ready for your next game. So I don't even want to walk down that road because yeah. I know it's going to be the same for you, man. It's just there's there's nothing good about it. So, um, you know, going into the fall for the next season, you know, uh, one of the best things I saw was the fall world series between, um, y'all's team because y'all had so much talent to where y'all, you know, field those two rosters and y'all can go at each other and have a simulation game that is comparable to any other sec opponent. So tell me what that fall world series was like for you and how well you did. Uh, the fall world series is always fun. Um, we, I think, Coach Goat and Cheese were the captains this year, and they, they drafted the teams. Um, I'm trying to think. how do I, I can't remember how. I did pretty well in the Fall Wars Series. I hit I hit close to four, four or 500 in the Fall Wars Series. But, I mean. Were you on the winning end? I guess what I need I, to know. No, me and Cam oh. both lost. We both lost the Fall World Series. Um. But I mean, I like I like getting in the fall a lot because I catch all those guys bullpen, so I know exactly what they're trying to do. So that's always fun for me. Um, the Fall World Series this year was very old. One of the rosters was a way older roster than the other roster. Me and Cam got put on the way younger roster because Goat chose a young team and. It was it was funny because you had Rowdy and TA and Hatch and all of those guys on one team, and then you had me and Cam on the other team and Skinner, and it was just a bunch of new guys versus old guys. But it was really fun. That's that's a, a fun experience, especially right before you go home for the holidays. Yeah, no, absolutely. I saw all the highlight clips. It looked like y'all had a blast, and you know, it started to feel like you know after what had happened with COVID, you know, baseball was back and y'all were able to see what you're going to be able to put on the field. And at that time, you know, rumors were out there that everything was going to be a full go more than likely. And so I know y'all had to start feeling good. So getting into 2021, you know, uh, I'm just going to read off the stats and then we're going to break down into the season. Um, you know, you batted 287, you had 15 bombs, you had 45 runs, 53 RBIs, um, slugging percentage of 569 um, defensively. Um, I feel like I saw more than this. I think Mississippi State robbed you. It says you caught 11 uh, base runners stealing, but I think the most impressive stat I saw in here was you only allowed four pass balls all season, which is pretty re remarkable, I'd say. And I'm going to tell you something. I, you know, I don't know if Ed Easley is going to like me saying this, but he said it to me privately when we were watching a Mississippi State game. But I'm sure you're familiar with Ed, right? Yeah, I know who he is. He said you are a way better catcher than he ever was, and that's a guy who made it to the pros and backed up Yachty for the Cardinals. 
And so, man, that's that's high praise. Uh, so we were sitting there watching you. And he said that he probably won't like that I that I put that out there, but I've never been one to keep a secret. So is what it is. So now you know. But but uh, let let's let's get into it, man. Um, the season you start in Globe Life Field, man. You you get to play in this big league uh, stadium against three top ten Texas teams. Tell me how cool experience that was for you to to be a part of that whole you know weekend series well we were we were just really thankful to get up there you know because that was right when the ice storm hit and we were worried about getting on the plane and be able to get up there so we had to fly up there with Ole Miss on the same plane mm-hmm. so that was that was a interesting experience that was fun um but getting out there, Globe Life was incredible. That that new stadium is is unreal. Um, we we went in thinking we were pretty good, but we knew that Texas and TCU and Texas Tech were also really good. Uh, after winning the Texas game, we we felt pretty good about ourselves. Uh, TCU, we we didn't think they were going to be as good as as they were. They were actually they were really good, very sound team. Guy they threw was disgusting he was like six seven left-handers throwing flames um thought we were going to win that game end up hitting into a game in a double play I think we ended up into a game in a double play with like the bases loaded we thought it was going to be a single uh that was kind of a heartbreaking moment there at the beginning of the season and then we had the early game the next day against Texas Tech and you never want to go home on a loss you never went in Sunday on a loss so we we ended up getting that win we went home happy and that was uh but that experience was awesome I mean that's that stadium's incredible like it's just one of the the nicer places I've ever played yeah absolutely you brought up the snow uh one of the things about it was I had tickets to the game my my car was absolutely buried um shout out to Globe Life for like the third time every every time we have one of you guys on here um they refunded me my money after I sent them a picture and told them I wasn't able to make it so that was nice of them but I would have liked to have uh to have gone but luckily Flow Sports was streaming it got to watch you guys um like it it looked awesome to for y'all to be able to play and to have those kind of matchups right out the gate, you know, not to fast forward too far ahead, but I got to ask the question just because, you know, you brought up starting the season with Texas. How crazy was it to start the season with Texas and then to start Omaha with Texas? Uh, it was, it was, it was wild. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, honestly, after we played them, I didn't know how good they actually were, but they ended up getting really hot at the right time and stayed hot all season. They had a, they had a really good year and they ended up being way better than we thought they were going to be. And that's, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. They ended up being uh, legit for sure. And with that, let's get into the season. I got to see you for the first time play at the dude uh, against Kentucky and uh, you hit an oppo bomb that I'm pretty sure that gate, in right field, that entrance, the the Duty Noble gate uh, sign, I'm pretty sure I watched it go over it. I mean, you absolutely hit a rocket. And one of the things that I noticed, and the reason I bring that up, is you hit a lot of oppo bombs, and they're never shallow, man. What? Tell me what it is that, you know, because I didn't play baseball, Daniel did, um, that makes it to your approach to where you're able to hit not only opposite field in general well, but with such power. Um, 
I typically let I like to let the ball get a little deeper than most people because I know I can go that way. Uh, especially with two strikes, or I know a guy's gonna throw me away and he's not gonna give me anything in the hit. I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to let the ball get deep and use my power that way to just because the ball the right in duty the ball flies better to the right than it does to the left most of the time, especially when beginning of the season, middle of the season, until it gets hot. And it's a lot easier to get the ball out there, right? So I just – I try to let my power play to all fields instead of just being – trying to pull everything. I know I can get the ball out wherever I want to, so I just try to hit the ball where it's pitched most of the time. Yeah, it makes sense. It just – it was one of those things I kept noticing. Like, every time you were hitting him, it's, I was like, man, he just keeps teeing off the opposite way. And, of course, you had plenty going going toward left as well. And, you know, I made that video that I put out there earlier, um, you know, some amazing bombs. You know, talking about that, the clip of the throw amount play, I'm almost certain, Logan, I couldn't find it. I'm almost certain that made Sports Center top 10. Um, my question for you is I can't make out through the video. What team did you was that throw amount play where you you threw him out and he still was a solid five feet from second base? Uh, that'd be Ole Miss, I believe. That's what I thought. I didn't want to say it and be wrong, but those colors were stood out, and I thought that's what it was. So that made it that much yeah. better, didn't it? Yeah, that, that was the Friday night against Ole Miss. I did that, and I was I was a little hyped after that play. I'm not sure what after the camera. I mean, yeah, you threw an absolute laser off one knee. Like that was that was beautiful, and. I'm trying to think, and I actually think that was the game that I was watching with Ed when he made that comment. So, you know, yeah, shout out to shout out to you for uh, that's that caught a lot of people's attention around the country. I'm almost certain it was a uh, Sports Center top ten. Um, it yeah, was filthy. It was, it was yeah. like four or five or something. There you go. You knew it was. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Hey, Daniel. That's that. Well, that makes well. We got about twenty athletes on here now. It's made sports in the top ten. That, that's got. That might have to be the requirement from now on. If you ain't, if you ain't made sports in the top ten, you can't come on. I start. Our, our goal is to have our own in off the bench top ten, top ten plays from the guests. I think. I think that could definitely make the list. I mean, he he threw an absolute laser, but you know he's known for throwing the lasers, but. Man, the bombs just keep standing out, and you had a few good games that in the regular season that I, I want to bring up. And, you know, you did it on the road, too, which made it that much better. Um, you had a three-for-five game at Auburn where you had five RBIs and a home run. And then you had the three-for-five game at Vandy where you had three RBIs and a home run. But more specifically, that home run was on Jack Leiter. So first, uh, let's talk about Auburn. You know, tell me, tell me what was going right that day, just seeing the ball and, and how good that felt to have such a huge game. Um, that whole weekend, I had been just missing balls. I hit a couple foul that were, that were hit pretty well. And then my time was off a little bit. I worked on it. I worked on it a little bit. And then that day, for some reason, everybody was seeing the ball well. And I just – I caught some caught some barrels at the right time with guys on base, and it it uh, happened to work out in my favor. That was the ball I hit at Auburn was probably the first ball I ever hit in my life. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever hit a ball that far again, <laughs> but that was a uh, that was a really fun day. It was like an eighteen to twelve game or eighteen ten. It was like the longest game I ever played 
from my life. It was like five hours long, it felt like. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Randy, the host that's missing, he texted me and goes, are we watching a soft, uh, you know, slow-pitch softball game? Like, the, the score was definitely unreal, and that game was forever long. I think I actually did turn it off at a certain point. I ain't going to lie, I tapped out on it. Um, it was so long. It was ridiculous. But, you know, that game, like you said, you lit up Auburn, but beating Vandy at Vandy is a different story. And for you to take Jack Leiter yard, I mean, I know you hear all the hype. And by that time, he had already thrown his no-nos. Like, how good does it feel to hit a bomb off that guy in his place? Well, me and Jack are good buddies, so – I, I I know him pretty well. We we played Team USA together. We did the All American game together. He's a he's a good dude. He's he's always been nice. He's always been a good dude. But uh, hitting that one there, I'm sure y'all saw me blowing the kisses. At, it wasn't at their dugout though. It was at the people above their dugout. We won't get into that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I hit that and I was I I threw the bat probably further than the ball went. Um, I, but that hitting that I, ball was I, awesome. I gotta stop you because you're not gonna you're not gonna fool me, Logan. You're not gonna sit here up in here and on our podcast and say you were blowing kisses at folks in the stands. Oh, I, was, I don't believe uh, it for a minute. What? <laughs> okay, it was it was their football team sitting on top of their dugout, and they had been talking the entire weekend. And man, the football team all, should I'm, never talk. I, I'm not going to make a comment on that, but we, uh, I saw him above the dugout and I just, I had to do something, especially after I hit that ball. And I just, I gave him a little kiss to let him know I knew they were there. And, uh, but yeah, that was, it was awesome. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. That, that bat flip made the video that I made. That, that was a nice bat flip. We, we love good bat flips. So, um, you know, I, I get, I give that one a solid nine out of 10. So I'm I'm impressed with it, and since you said you know Jack and you are friends, when you hit a hit a bomb off a guy that's your buddy, do you do you send him a message the next day or that night or anything, or you just kind of one day later you'll you'll bring it back up? Uh, if I hit one off my buddy, I usually just I, I try not to bring it back up because you know how pitchers are; they'll get they'll get a little upset about it. Um, I never said anything to him about it. I I did tell him that I wasn't blowing kisses at their dugout. It was to the people above their dugout. That I, that was a message. But other than that, I didn't say anything else about it. Don't worry, man. Anything you say, you're not going to be the top villain on this show. We I mean, we got Drew Gilbert scheduled here in a few weeks. He's he's all his stuff was intentional. He he's going to be the villain. Don't worry about it. You're still the good guy, Logan. Um. So let's get into you know. <laughs> regionals and super regionals man uh you know i already asked you about being at the dude but being there for the postseason that's a, a whole different thing i mean did you have goosebumps with the way that crowd was rocking and you know setting attendance records uh that was that was one of the coolest moments all year was was definitely during the supers when you've got 10 plus thousand people there and you're you're playing in front of them they're loud and they're rowdy and uh especially when you're winning and just when we won it it was it was surreal how many people were still there for an hour or two hours after the game just just staying there and it was uh 
it was a surreal experience for sure with there's no there's just no fans other than like that in America for college baseball I mean this you know start was a baseball town and it was uh it was a, it was awesome it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced yeah, absolutely. We're going to get into those fans at Omaha because, uh, you know, I was there for the for the whole thing, and I, I definitely want to talk about the fan base. Um, specifically in the closeout game on Notre Dame, um, you had a you had another game, a great game. As a matter of fact, I mean, you, throughout the postseason, you, you played great. It seems like the second half of the season, your power numbers really got up, but in the postseason, it wasn't even just power. Um, you were definitely getting on base a lot, so you you were clearly seeing the ball well. You were in a groove. Um, but against Notre Dame in that closeout game, you know, you were two for four with three RBIs, you know, you had that bomb, you know, so what was it like to, you know, it's one thing to win and I know it's a team thing and you don't want to be about yourself, but when you play an integral part in advancing to Omaha, I mean, you know, how, how good do you feel? Uh, it, it was, it was really, it felt really good knowing that all the hard work, paid off there in the end, especially in the biggest moment that had come up all season. I mean, it was uh, – it felt really good knowing that all the things we, we had done as a team, all the time we had sacrificed, getting better and practicing every day and just being together. I mean, I, it felt really good knowing that it all came together and it, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about a negative in that Notre Dame game, but it's all in fun. Landon laughed about it when we had him on here. So I know you can laugh about it. You know, for us that were watching at home, uh, Daniel will tell you, the commentators were the most obnoxious people ever because all they could talk about was Cavadas and he was a Greek God and he was molded from whatever. I don't know, man. These dudes had a love affair, even though he did nothing all series until he hit that bomb off landing. From your view, man, did that thing make it to the moon? It, it was 3-1, and I was like, all right, maybe we can sneak a heater by him right here. Because, I mean, we had like a, I don't know, like a seven or eight run lead. And I was like, oh, I mean, if he, if he hits one well, he hits one well. And he hit it, and I took my mask off, and I, I just admired it. Because it, <laughs> it may have went 900 feet. It was the furthest home run I've ever seen. It was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. It was – he hit that ball – further than most people most players will ever hit a ball like that in their life yeah landed owned it himself and you know like you said it's perspective is different when you're when you're up eight runs you know you you can you know kind of admire it if it, if it would have been a one-run game it's a whole different story but that thing and yeah. we we were actually we weren't admiring it because we were like man they gave the commentators exactly what they wanted that, that's all they wanted that dude to do was hit a home run but at the end of the day <laughs> Y'all advanced and he went home, so he can he can have the bomb. Y'all got what y'all needed. So moving on to and Omaha, he, he did he did ground into the game in the double play. That is true, he did. That I'm it, pretty it, sure he would have not liked to have the last out. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so we get to Omaha, man. Uh, I seen you. Uh, I don't know how they decide who gets to make the little Omaha hype videos for all the teams, and y'all y'all do all the flexing and dancing. I know you got the chain. Uh, you know, tell me, tell me about that. Was that was that fun to do or was it was it nervous? Uh, you know, what? because you're in Omaha and, you know, you're thinking baseball, you're focused, but you also want to enjoy the moment, take it all in. So tell me about, like, what it was like getting there and then tell me about, like, making that video and whatnot. 
Um, getting there, you know, I, I've heard about it from all the older guys, how fun it is, what to expect. But actually getting there and seeing the field, it was it was awesome. And then we go to make the video. And the the video is funny because I, have you seen Hootie Hootie's part in it where mm-hmm. he's got uh he's getting held back like a dog. Yes, uh, I was in there and I just I couldn't stop laughing the whole time. So it was mainly just hilarious for me. I'm just sitting there, just crying, laughing, watching Hootie and all those those guys just act a fool. Um, it's it's a little bit nervous, you know, because you, you don't want to like you don't look stupid on camera. So mm-hmm. I mean, you, you try to act a little hardo. So I mean. But it, it, it was all in good fun. It was really fun. But Hootie getting held back by the dogs is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. And and you did have the the part of the video that went hard. Yeah, I, I, I re- I'm trying to remember, you know, exactly. But I, like I said, I remember you kind of flexing with the stare down. And I remember the cross hanging, the chain. Um, so, like, yeah, that, that was cool. And I think it's a good way to loosen y'all up because, you know, while you want to – be about business you want to take in a moment that you know you don't know what next season holds and you don't know that you'll be there again for sure so um you want to be able to take it all in but like we talked about you know you start off with with texas um which is the the same team that you started the season with and then you know y'all beat them y'all beat virginia uh let's talk about the feeling of you know the team and yourself you know you get those first two wins is it at that point? Is it feeling real? I mean, even even though you still got a lot of games to win, is it feeling like, man, we can really do this? We can take this thing. Um, after the comeback against Virginia, I knew we we had a real shot because I, it just felt special. Because people don't just come back down. What were we down five or six nothing? You don't you don't just do that and you score six. You're getting no hit till the eighth. You're getting perfect game today. Or it was no hit, no hit to the eighth. And then you just come back out of nowhere and win. Like people don't that just doesn't happen. And I, I knew after that game it was it was starting to feel really special and that we had a real shot. And uh I I, I thought I thought after that game we were we were gonna get towards the end. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like, you know, and like I said, I was there. And so, you know, I knew Texas had been trouble and and here they came around again, but I had confidence in y'all. And this is where I want to bring up the fan base thing that you brought up. Um, I still remember it exact time and everything. And specifically, the reason I'm so close um, with Mississippi State, you see the LSU stuff in the background. We actually hadn't addressed it yet. But um, I was with State from day one. These guys put me on the spot on the podcast because Cameron and Cade are guys that I've known, watched them their whole high school career, um, you know, like little brothers. And so they put me on the spot. They said, this year – are you rooting for Mississippi State or are you rooting for LSU? Because you seem real conflicted. And I picked Mississippi State and I rode with y'all the whole way. And that's why I was with those families. And that's why, you know, we we were there the whole time in Omaha, me and my son. And as I've extended to all the other guys, um, you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart because my son has been to Disney World twice and every six flags in the country. And Daniel will even tell you that he says his trip to Omaha was the best trip he's ever been on. So um, shout out to y'all for for that experience. But with that, um, he fell asleep that first game against Texas because it was 1.04 a.m. And my boy Cade was the reason I had to stick around no matter what. Like, I was debating, like, you know, I don't know what time this thing's going to start. My son is asleep laid across, like, three chairs. You know, what do I do? 
I was like, but Kate is fixing the pitch. So I was like, I got to stick around. And then that's when that fan base, like, I, I don't know the exact number, but you would have thought it was, you know, seven o'clock and the game had just started. They were as loud as they ever were. And, you know, y'all even after you got out of the inning, you know, y'all got two men on with a chance to, to maybe tie it up. And, I mean, it was rocking. And that really – spoke to how dedicated that fan base is because by that time it's 1 30 a.m and they sat there and they waited and they stood by y'all side and then they were chanting as loud as ever like as a player like does that give you goosebumps to see that yeah i mean you you get a rain delay about 11 or 11 30 12 o'clock you're thinking oh, all right the fans are gonna go home and you come back out and they're just they're as wild as ever and they start getting rowdy i mean that that was incredible, uh, especially considering how late it was, knowing that we'd probably have to play again tomorrow and they'd have to get back up again. But it was um, it was a really cool experience for sure. I'd say knowing Texas had the, the second best fan base of all I saw at College World Series. They were around too. I got to give them their due as well. Yeah, they, they were out there too. They, there might not have been as many, but they were, they were still there. There was a lot of them. But I mean, our fan base is incredible. Those they they support us, and they were there, and it was it was awesome. Yeah. So all right. So now you know you're on the verge of a possible elimination. You you got to go against Texas, and this is the 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 fourth time that you're gonna have to face them. So like you know, you know this team well. It's it's no different than like one of your SEC foes. Now um, you feel like you know you know the ins and outs of them, and for me, I would think that that would give you all confidence, especially because, you know, you had taken two or three. Um, but going into that, you know, what, is, what does Coach Lamonis tell you all um, before you all start that game? Did, was it just basic, no different than any, any other time, or did he have something special to say? How, how did that go? Um, we, we all knew what was at stake. We all knew – what it would mean if we won that game and get into the finals. Uh, he, he didn't have to say much. He just – he told us that he was he, – he knew that we were, we were there and he knew that we had a better shot at winning than they did. I, I knew we had a better shot at winning than they did because I felt like after Madden threw – that they were – they didn't have much left in the tank to face us with. And I knew that Will was going out, and Will had been incredible up to that point. And they didn't seem – what's the word? I'm looking – Texas didn't seem like they wanted to face Will mm -hmm. that day. Or in, I don't think anybody wanted to face well that day, but huh. they just – they almost laid down whenever we, we got ahead, it felt like. And it just – it felt like once – after they hit the two-run homer in, like, the first inning, I think, and we started scoring, it just – I wouldn't say they laid down. I mean, we had to walk them off. I mean, it was a great game. But it, it felt like we had the momentum. Even after the, even after the night before, because we had gotten the men on base – made them use more bullpen arms. Uh, we just knew we had the right matchups to win that game. That's why I felt really confident about that game. Yeah, I mean, I felt confident too, and not in a biased way. 
and it and you know to finish that game and it ended up being the the Tanner show it was you know you and then it was Tanner Leggett you know you got the the double that tied the game and then Leggett got the walk off um you know we talk about these uh walk offs with with Landon and he said that you and him take the brunt of it especially cuz you know Landon finished that game off oh. he said he said that you and him have you know got close to near death down there at, at times is, is that true oh it's it's a yeah i hate it down there it's probably the worst <laughs> position to be in you got 40 grown men jumping on top of you and i'm i'm down there trying to protect landon's arms i'm like i don't know when he's gonna pitch again so i'm just i'm just sitting up there trying to do a plank so landon doesn't get crushed and i just got people jumping on top of me and i'm i'm trying to delay it as long as possible but i mean when it first happens, it's awesome. But about 10 seconds in, you're like, please get up. It's, this is the worst experience of my life. Houston said after one of the games, uh, they they almost crushed your head. So he I forgot which game he said it. It was it was obviously one of the one of the Texas or Vanderbilt games. Um, but he said he went down and tried to get on the bottom and help you guys out and take some of the brunt off you guys after after y'all had almost got crushed. Yeah, that sounds like something Hootie would say. I mean, he probably jumped in last knowing him. He didn't <laughs> Big old teddy bear, but he is. Uh, we're taking the hero role away from him. All right, well, we're, we're going to talk about you in a Houston moment here in a second. Um, you know, you take, the, you take the loss to Vanderbilt in the first game, you know. Um, no point in even talking about it. You know, your boy, he, you said you're friends. Uh, he took care of business. I, I did not see that game going that way. I told you, you know, you know, Cam's my guy. He hits that bomb in the first inning, and I'm like, man, here we go. Yeah, and I then, thought we were about to blow him out. Yeah, I was like, we're about to blow these guys out if he has the homer. But but then it it turned around and uh, completely went the other way. So we're gonna bypass it. But we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about game two. And and Houston was on the mound. Um, you know, one of the cool things was uh, some of the parents of the team um, took care of me and my son. They put us uh, directly behind home plate. So, man, I got to see you up close and personal the whole night. And it was actually a Vanderbilt fan who brought it to my attention when it happened in real time. And then we talked about it with, with Hootie. So I'm going to discuss it with you. So he does his rocking thing that he does. That, and, you know, that's why we called his episode Lean With or Rock With It. And he stopped rocking and he held forever and he and you and him were on a clear communication breakdown and then he ends up giving that home run to Rodriguez now he's the Vanderbilt fan like I said he said man it seemed like he lost his his rhythm his flow that he's in he, he got held up it him and the catcher weren't on the same page and so then Hootie confirms and says the pitch he wanted you did not want to call what's up with that That just doesn't sound right at all, at all. I don't know. He he held for a long time. I did not recall. Oh, what what he, he ended up throwing? I think a changeup. I think uh, that's what he threw. Yeah, I didn't want to call a changeup to that guy because he stands right on top of the plate, and I I've I've probably seen I've caught fifteen of it is it bats at this point, and I'm like, all right. So I mean, if we can get a heater in right here, he's he's gonna get blown up. I'm pretty sure that's what I was trying to call. And who do you want to change up? So we call the change up. He gives up a homer. Mm. That's what happened. So we got the real story. So now we know that he doesn't go to the bottom of the dog pile and he threw the wrong pitch. It's all exposed. 
Houston. He threw the pitch I called, but it's because he wanted that pitch. I didn't want to call that pitch. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But you know that that was the only issue in that game. Y'all y'all absolutely rolled after that. That that game um, got out of hand, and then you know the final game. Like, um, at what point? You know, I've asked all the guys this, and it, it seems to be the same answer. You know, but at what point did you feel like, man? we're going to be national champions. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but all of them said they felt like as soon as y'all jumped all over them, like it was a done deal. I felt like as soon as Kumar came out the game, it was over. That was, I thought that was their only chance of staying in. And then I hit the homer and then I went into the tunnel to use the bathroom and I hear screams and I, I run out, my belt's unbuckled, <laughs> pants are about to fall down. I see Kellum and just hit a three-run bomb. I was like, oh, we're, we're going to be national champions. It's like the sixth inning. But, uh, yes, I felt like as soon as Kumar came out the game that we were, we were going to win. Yeah, for, for, for me, just the, the defining factor is, you know, anytime Landon comes in the game, you know, I know the door is going to be shut. And uh, when he came in, you know, to finish the game, and I, I saw him come in, I videoed him, him running out in the field, and I said, you – Landing with a nine-run lead, what are we what are we talking about? I like landing with a one-run lead. So, you know, I, I knew it was a done deal. And so I want to talk about something because we get a different perspective from you. You know, I said we've had Landon on here. I've said we've had Houston on here. Um, and, you know, we've talked about Will Bednar a lot. You get the, you know, you're blessed to be able to have across the board, not even just the starting pitchers, but, you know, your bullpen guys. Y'all had the, the best pitching staff in America. Um, how how awesome is it? Um, you know, how blessed do you feel to be able to to catch for these guys? You know, McLeod, Bednar, Sims, Harding, you know, all of them across the board. How cool is that? Uh, it was it was awesome knowing you get to catch those guys and the fact they broke the strikeout record was incredible. I mean, that I don't know if that'll ever get touched again. That was that was one of the most incredible things. Um, all of them have great stuff. All of them are just huge competitors. That's what the main thing about them is they just compete every outing, inning in, inning out, every pitch. It was uh, it was truly awesome to be able to, to catch those guys and that staff. That staff was special, and uh, it was it was it was a it was an honor for sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that way, and that was one of the reasons I was excited about this episode, just because get to get to talk to you and you know, for, for all those guys. And I mean, you know, you got three of them who, who got drafted early. And so that just spoke to the talent in which they had and, and, and you got to catch for them. And then we obviously know what Landon, Landon has. So yeah, no, just a, just an amazing opportunity you had. And it's interesting because I didn't know you were a pitcher in high school. And so, you know, you became a catcher and then you catcher on a national championship team in which you got to, to catch for, some of the most amazing pitchers, so uh, just awesome. But continuing on getting to do amazing stuff, you know, y'all won the national championship, but um, that wasn't the, the end for you. You know, you got to go play Team USA, uh, you know, just real quick, what was that experience like? That was an awesome experience, playing with some of the best players around the country, making some new friends, playing, meeting some guys that I hadn't seen in a while from other schools. Uh what was really cool was playing the Olympic team before they went off to Tokyo. That was that was a really cool experience. And seeing some big leaguers up close and personal and playing against some big leaguers, that was 
it was awesome, especially, you know, seeing Todd Frazier. That was, that was awesome. Um, but that, that was a really fun experience. It was, it, well, I wouldn't say it was laid back, but I wouldn't say it was like as hard as the college world series would be. So it was kind of a, a, a different gear, which was, it was a fun, it was a fun gear to play in. Let me ask you, uh, you know, obviously, you know, y'all were, because of COVID and everything, y'all weren't able to go, you know, just go play a bunch of games and everything. A lot of it was against each other. Like you said, you did get the awesome opportunity to go against, um, you know, the national team and everything. Um, but how, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of your teammates that, that played summer league and, you know, they said they were just absolutely spent. Like, you know, how tired were you? Um, I, I wasn't really that tired. I mean, I never really get tired of playing baseball. I, I like playing all the time. It's it's what I love to do. It's the only thing I want to do, really. And uh, I mean, I was I was tired physically, but mentally I was still there, and I was I loved playing every day. So I mean, it wasn't that bad. I got you. So we're in a new year now. You know, um, obviously, um, y'all are just getting started with workouts. You know, you're you're back in classes and everything. Um, you know, I know you are masked up, but, you know, you're actually getting to be in class again, right? Yeah, we are. We get to so, be in so, so how good does that feel to be back in person, be able to, to be around people, get get the full college experience back? Uh, it's pretty fun, so you have to take tests in person. <laughs> uh, I've gotten used to taking tests on the computer. Uh, but it, it's still – it's it's awesome getting to be back besides students, uh, just seeing everybody on campus walking around. It, it's It's really cool. So on a typical day, you know, a lot of times it's usually you go to a few classes and then you, you know, you hit a workout session. Is that what it's like for you? Um, I'll go to a couple classes, catch a bullpen, do some early work, hit, and then I'll get a workout in and head home most of the time. Gotcha. So expectations coming in the season, obviously all y'all have done is, you know, your workouts that you, you know, you come back and do to get started, you know, you really haven't gotten much practice time. If any, I don't, I don't know where y'all are at yet on that, but you know, expectations because, you know, y'all had a great recruiting class coming in and you have, you know, a lot of people see the big names um, that left, but don't realize how much talent you really do have and come back. So like, you know, expectations wise, like, you know, do you feel like without even seeing the product yet, without, you know, you hadn't got to your fall world series. I mean, do you feel like with just what you have that y'all have the talent to get back to Omaha for a four straight time? I believe that we'll get there. I, I think we can get there. We just have to have some guys step up. Some guys have to play some new roles, but I, I believe we definitely have the talent to get there. It's just going to be about coming together as a team and figuring out what everybody needs to do for the team. And I think that uh, once we figure that out, I think we'll have a really good shot at getting back. All right. So for you personally, I need, I need two, two part question, you know, what is your personal goal? And then what is the one thing that you feel like you need to improve on to be better this season? Personal goal. Well, obviously, I want to get drafted pretty high, so that, that'll be my personal goal. Um, improve. Uh, I need to cut down strikeouts, and 
I need to hit it for a little bit better average. Uh, I would like to be around 320, 330 range for sure. But, uh, I mean, coming back from was technically my freshman year because I really didn't get a full year my first year. So, I mean, I, did, I feel like I had a pretty good freshman year, but that that second year is always where the biggest jump usually comes. So, I'm, I'm hoping to get a, a big jump there, especially coming back from a full season. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, you're going to continue to improve. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys, like I said, you know, so much young talent coming back. And like you said, most of you guys, it's got you listed as sophomores, but a lot of y'all, it was basically y'all were freshmen. And so you're really coming into your second season. So uh, I feel like there's definitely going to be some improvement. And, you know, you mentioned the draft, um, you know, and and that and that's your goal. And, and that should be your goal. You know, do you feel like, uh, you know, a lot of guys get phone calls or they have some talks or whatever. Have you had any talks with teams this past draft or have you already, you know, you know, kind of got a feel for the, the draft process and what the opportunities may look like next year if you play well? Uh, I've talked to a few teams. I talked to a bunch of teams when I was in high school right before I graduated. Um, but I've talked to a few teams since since the last season ended. But I, I, I kind of have a feeling – I mean, it, it depends on how well you play, but I have a feeling on what what the outcome usually is going to look like. So, I mean, if it all comes true, then it should be pretty good. I got one more goal for you, and I, and I sent you this personally. You know, um, being that we interview players from all the teams, I'm in all their fan group forums, you know, even if I'm not a, you know, fan of their specific team. And um, I'm a part of the Ole Miss fan group, and, and man uh, – Hayden Dunhurst is is the best catcher, undoubtedly. They say he can't be touched. And so with that, I need you to be first team all SEC. I need you to get the gold glove. I need you to back back up my word. I like being right more than anything. And I tell them, I say, give me Lotan over Hayden any day of the week. So I need you to to back me up, get it done this year, get the first team accolades from Hayden and then, you know, get that, that Mississippi state pride over Ole Miss. You, you get, you got me taken care of on that. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I just gotta, I gotta, I mean, opinions over statistics is what I like to say. I mean, if you look at the stats, but we're not going to talk about that, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. Man, that's, that's low key confidence that, I mean, I like that. I like that a lot, man. I, um, you know, as we, we followed you and obviously Jim having the, the affiliation and the connection that he does with, you know, Mississippi state, we were able to follow you guys very closely. And man, like, it just seems like to me that the culture that you guys have created on that baseball team is, is really one of the biggest reasons why you guys are so successful. So, you know, before we, you know, cut you loose and, and we, we play a quick little game. I just want you to talk about, you know, how important is it for guys to buy in and have that culture of winning and have the expectation? Cause I mean, you, you've seen it probably at the highest levels. There are teams that are super talented, but they can't figure out how to win because they're not a team. So what's the process like at Mississippi state and what makes you guys so special when it comes to that, that family bond that you guys seem to have? Um, hanging out together outside of baseball is a huge part of that, you know, just, just doing stuff as a team, 
rather just just watching football on a Saturday or just hanging out and just chilling, going to eat dinner together, going hanging out at the pool together. I mean, just becoming closer as a family instead of just being together only at the field. I mean, I feel like that's one of the biggest pieces of it. And realizing that there's no other option here other than to be great when it comes to baseball. I mean, the fans expect nothing less than you to be great. You, you should expect nothing less from yourself than to be great. You come here to be great. This is the one of the premier schools in the country is in the SEC, always a top 10 school. So, I mean, once you come here, you know, you, you should know the expectations. Absolutely. It's, it's great to be able to say you played in the SEC, but it's even better to say that you played for Mississippi state, man. And, and you, you can say that. And before we let you run, we want to play a quick little game and have some fun with you down let's do it all right it's called this or that it's very very simple i give you two options all you have to do is choose one option or the other you can't say both and you can't say neither all right so we'll we'll, we'll start off slow but i mean that doesn't mean that the questions are going to be softball questions now all right so first first question would you rather never wait in line again or never catch another red light never catch another red light all right i gotta ask because i ask everybody this are you a guy who struggles with being on time are you always rushing no i usually get i usually get places pretty pretty early yeah so that's kind of a setup question that I, that we throw out there because a lot of times people who say no red lights they're the ones who struggle with being on time and they're always like pushing it to get out the door. Then they hit red lights and they're like, man, if I just didn't hit any red lights, I could, I could be there on time. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I think if you're, if you're not early, you're late. That's how I feel about it. I, I get anxiety about being late. Absolutely. You're, you're like me, man. We'll be there 45 minutes early just to know that we're oh, there no on doubt. time. Yeah. No All doubt. right. So if you were born and you were given the option to save yourself, or save another person, which would you choose? And let me give you some context behind this question. You may or may not need to use the option. All right. So you may or may not have to save yourself or another person. All right. So, and you don't know when it would, when you would have to use that card. So which are you choosing? Would you rather have the option of saving yourself or saving another person? I'll save another person. I'd save another person. Yeah, it's a when you think about it, it at first glance you're like, oh, I'm I'm gonna save myself. But when you put it into context, it's probably a little bit easier to make the decision. Oh well, I'll save someone else. So, yeah. um, would you rather have a rewind button or a fast forward button for your life? Would you rather go back in time, or would you rather go forward in time? I'd rather go back in time. Would you do anything differently or just feel what it's like to go through it again? Um, uh, I would probably just do – I'd do it differently. You wouldn't let Hootie throw that change up for us, <laughs> right? Uh, we'd, be going, we'd be going fastball in for sure hey. and probably get a pop out of the second baseman, but – hey. We we can't live we can't live in that zone. You live and you learn. And he he knows he knows what he did. No doubt, no doubt. 
All right. So would you rather be, if you were given the option of changing your yourself, would you rather be the same person every day or would you rather have the option of being a different person, you know, multiple times throughout that life? I don't want to be the same person. Who would you want to be? Just curious. Is there anybody in the world that you're like, man, I'd just like to live in that guy's shoes for one day. One day. Yadier Molina. Um, <laughs> no, I think I'm going to go with Adam Sandler. Oh, that's a, that's a decent choice. Some man. Pick up basketball at the 24-hour fitness. I feel like that'd be pretty fun. There you go. All right, so would you rather wear your blacks on Sunday or a different uniform on Sunday? I go different. Yeah, because then blacks are a thousand degrees on top of the fact that it's ninety nine yeah. that you're playing. No, yeah, no I, I, I had him ask that because it's this. You know, it seems to be like a real like debate whether you're talking about fan base or players. I know some of your teammates who love them, and I know some that hate them. And then a fan base, it seems like that, you know, a lot of the younger people like them, but, man, you're traditionalists. Like, for instance, just throwing Greg James out there, he's like, man, we're maroon and white. We are not black. And so I was interested to see what you'd say. You're you're one of the first younger guys that, that really says uh, just stick with the maroon and white. I, I like the blacks. I'd much rather wear, like, the creams we got this year, maybe the pinstripes. Classic. The classic vintage look. I like it. All right. Would you rather look weak but be strong or be strong and look weak? Be strong and look weak. Ain't that the truth? You can fool, yeah. fool a lot of people. The good news is he, he looks strong and is strong. So. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't, I definitely ain't questioning that. I've seen how far he can hit the ball. So I know, I know he, he he's a rock when it comes to that. And most catchers, man, are, are just, just powerhouses. Like, you know, they can swing the stick and, and hit, hit, you know, really well. And then you just look at them, man. You're just a different breed of, of, of folk, man. It's like hockey guys. Hockey guys are just different breed of people. If you put on the yeah, gear no, and you no. get behind the dish, man, you're, you guys, you're a different dude, so I give you props for that. All right, two more questions. I'll let you bounce. Would you rather spend five years in jail or ten years in a coma? Five in jail. Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, okay, we we gotta let's let's unpack this a little bit because most of the time, like, and and I'll say this. 90% of the baseball players we have on this show, if we ask them that question, they say jail. But 100% of the players that say that, I know damn well they don't really mean that. But for some reason, I feel like I feel like you I feel like you could handle five years. I, I don't know why. I just I think it goes back to like when you get behind a dish and you're you're suited up and guys are throwing 90 plus BBs at you and there's a bat swinging in front of you and like there's a lot of different things like you're a different kind of person so I I give you credit I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay with this answer Jim 
That yeah, that that would be a first, man. Uh, take that take that as a compliment, uh, Logan, because usually he gives people a hard time when they they pick jail. He said they don't want nothing to do with it. Give them the ten year nap. <laughs> yeah, give me give me ten years of that little nap. I'll wake up and I'll figure it out. But don't give me the roughest five years ever. Like I just, yeah, I, I think I'd rather have the jail time. I, I don't wasting ten years of your life in a coma. Just I don't know. I couldn't do it. I'd rather be in jail for five years, learn some lessons or something, just make some nope. friends. Nope. I don't care to learn Jack. I just he's gonna get that Adam, he's gonna get the Adam Sandler pickup basketball game in jail. Yeah, no uh, doubt. No doubt. Maybe playing like Ray Allen. All right. So this is our last question. This is our money versus friends question. So I'll, I'll phrase it um, in, in, in baseball context for you. Would you rather be the number one pet? in the MLB draft. So number one pick, but the only caveat to that is you can't have any friends. Like your friends that are your friends now, you got to cut ties with them and you can't talk to them anymore ever again. Or you can be the very last pick in the draft and they you'll be able to keep all your friends. So first pick, none of your friends. Last pick, all of your friends. I'll be the last pick and keep my friends. All right, let me let me let me let you know now. There's about a eight to ten million dollar difference <laughs> between the first pick and the last pick. So yeah, I just want to make big for fifteen years. I'll make that eight to ten million dollars back a couple times over. Ooh, he got confidence. But how long are you gonna have to play until you get that eight to ten mil? Uh, four or five, get rid of my rookie contract and sign a big deal. I think I got rid of it. All right. Hey, I, I, I believe I am that side. I'm a friend's guy over money. I just like playing devil's advocate and, 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 you know, <laughs> giving you a, a tough time, but you know, most people do choose that. It's very rare that we get somebody on here and they're like, man, bump my friends. Give me that bag. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll buy new friends. Or you know what? Maybe I'll just stay to myself and I don't need friends. So. But uh, any anything you want to plug or promote before we get you out of here? Um, nope. Uh, nothing I can think of. Shout out to my mom, Delina. I know she's going to watch or listen to this. Get it. You know what? You ended on the on a positive note, man. Like, there's no better way than you could end this podcast other than giving mom a shout out. So, you know, that's that's awesome, man. We 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 were glad to have you. We're lucky to have you, man. Enjoy being a national champion for a little bit longer, because I'm sure that that uh, as soon as you guys get together as a team, if you haven't done so already, I'm sure coach is going to quickly tell you like that's a that's a thought of the past and it's about about the present and the future. So, um, man, if there's anything we can do for you, help plug or promote anything you got going on, man, just let us know. We'd be more than happy to help you out. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, have, they got, said, have they said when your ring ceremony is going to be? Isn't it at one of the football games? October 30th versus Kentucky. There was your plug. Man, you missed it. Boom. There it is. Hey, October 30th. You get the chance to go out national championship ring ceremony for your current reigning defending national champions of division one baseball, Mississippi state bulldogs. If you want to follow Mississippi state baseball on Instagram at hell state BB, 
if you want to follow Logan Tanner on Instagram at Lotan19, man, Logan, it's been a pleasure. We appreciate you, man. Like I said, reach out to you if you need it. Reach out to us if you need anything. We'd be more than happy to help get your name out there, get anything you got going on out there. I appreciate you guys. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors so we can pay all them bills, Jim. And then when we come back, we got some headlines. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics. Sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society. And, you know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place, maybe whatever's convenient. And a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts. Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find him on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. we got some headlines for you. And, Jim, we're going to lead off with Major League Baseball. Um, a lot of close races, you know, especially in that wild card, but you know, more importantly, we're getting down to the nitty gritty the last month of the season. And this is where the, the movers and the shakers start finding their way and where we start seeing those X's and those Y's and those Z's next to those teams' names on these, these leaderboards because they start clinching divisions, clinching playoff first. So it's going to be an exciting next few weeks to to see where we land. But Starting with, you know, the American League, as we always do, the East, the Rays, the Central, the White Sox, the West, the Astros. I mean, if we dig a little deeper looking at the East, um, the Rays are continuing to add games. Um, beat the Red Sox tonight. Yankees are eight and a half back in second place in the East, and it looks like the Rays are, are, are finding their way and probably and hopefully going to win, win the East outright. Any anything that would cause any concern, any teams that you, you're thinking are going to make a last-minute push here in the East, Jim? No, I, I mean, like you said, Tampa has really, you know, separated themselves. Um, you're going to have the battle between Boston and New York, but ultimately, you know, I think those two teams make it in and play each other in the wild card unless something, you know, they start to really fall apart down the stretch. So, I mean, Tampa has continued to do what they've done all year, um, play the best baseball, and they, I mean, I don't see that that's too big of a, a margin, how many games back New York and Boston are, they're not going to catch them. So, I mean, that, that XYZ, whichever one you get for winning the division, ain't there yet, but it might as well be. Yeah. When you look at the Central, I would say the same thing for the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it's not even close. Those guys are, are every time we look, it's, it's, it was six games and it was eight and a half. Then it was nine. 
now this week it's 10 games. I mean, but it's easily, we've talked about it. It's, you know, and that's not, it's not a knock on White Sox. You, you play in the division you play in and you play the teams you play, but I mean, that's hands down the worst division and it's not even debatable. Yeah. And what we're seeing though, I mean, when we move further down to the West with the Astros and the Mariners and the A's. Breaks my heart, man. A's. Yeah, but I think Randy might have mentioned this a few weeks ago. I mean, Seattle was going to make a move, and here they are. They're four and a half back of the Astros. But when we look um, closer at the wild card, you'll see that they're three games back, tied with the Blue Jays um, from the Red Sox. The Red Sox just lost a game to the Rays and have lost two in a row um, as we're talking tonight. So it is. The door for them is is open. It's whether or not they can finish, you know, strong enough to to walk through it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anything of note before we move to the National League? No, I mean it, it's been basically like you said, it's been chalk. Seattle's been the only mover. Um, Angels Otani continues to be the best show in baseball on a team that can't seem to win unless he's pitching. So. Pretty sad. But other than that, American League is just like you said, it's been chalking. I mean, you know, the Astros lead isn't as big as is Tampa and Chicago, but it almost feels like I mean, you know, we we're just talking about Seattle and Oakland and the the race for the wild card. I don't think they catch Houston. Uh, it's big enough that and they're playing so well that I I mean our division winners in the American League, I think are set. Yeah, I was scrolling through Twitter and I was reading, I, I came across um, a tweet by an Angels fan, and they had said, you know, if you told me at the beginning of the season that we were going to play 500 baseball, I would have took that and been happy with it. Um, I don't know how much I agree or disagree with that. Like, it's it's hard for me to agree that you know, with the two players that are that are the faces of that franchise, that you're okay with that. Um, but I couldn't really find anything that disagreed with that. Like there were. Well, here's here's why I would disagree, Daniel. It would be one thing if you had a title recently, right? Like, um, you know, we're going to get into college football later. But you know, with LSU when they won the title, I told you after that run, if they had years of mediocrity afterward, I'd be okay with it because they got the title with. The Angels, they haven't been able to put together not even a title, but a playoff run. And so um, mediocrity isn't fun anymore. Like, I mean, I, I want to watch a team that wins. I'm not saying, you you know, you stop rooting for your team, but, like, at some point they got to give you something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and they're not. I mean, like you said, unless Otani is on the mound, they're not giving you a whole lot. And the Duke could probably hit two or three home runs homers in a game and they would still figure out a way to lose that's uh that's a team that needs a couple more pieces or like a a vast overhaul but the contracts that they have committed to it's going to be hard to overhaul that um let's move on national league you got your braves there up a game and a half over philadelphia in the east and the central you got the brewers still running shop 11 games up on the Reds to sit in second place. And then there they are, the Giants. Giants game up on the Dodgers this past weekend. Um, 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, had a three-game set with them. They were tied going into it. Giants took two of three from the Dodgers. They won today. Both teams won today, which you know, you know, kept the lead at one. You might you so, might as well tell the the people, Daniel, that me and Randy trash talked to you by Wednesday because LA was in front of the Giants and it backfired yep. on us because by the time it all got said and done and this podcast took place, the Giants were back on top. That's right. I took the high road and I just let it play out because I knew I had faith in the Giants that they were going to be able to figure it out by weekend's end. And sure enough, did they did they do that? They they set one game up and I'll ask you, are you a believer in the Giants winning that division now? I mean, I still think the Dodgers will win it, but to your point, when you beat the team that I'm saying is going to win it, it has to sway me a little bit. I still just ultimately believe the Dodgers are going to get it done, but another week goes by in which I've said that, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I'm sure the Giants, you think about it, I'm one of millions that are probably saying that on a week-to-week basis, and that's just bulletin board material for them, a chip on their shoulder to continue to do what they do, and they probably love it. What's more surprising, the Giants in first place or the the Padres sitting 14 and a half back? Probably the Padres because of the expectations we had. And since you brought them up, I got to ask you something, man. You know, we talk about Trout and Otani, you know, um, specifically Otani. Now, of course, Otani's numbers are gaudy. Um offensive you know as a as a pitcher and I should say offensive and offensive as a pitcher and a hitter um whereas you know Tatis isn't the same and I don't Daniel tell me tell me how a guy can be the odds on favorite by a lot to win the MVP when his team is continuing to free fall backwards the same way Otani is in the American but like I said, at least he's doubling up. Like he he's he's doing something that's never been done before. What what Tatis is doing, we see guys do. There are there are guys who are doing that right now. Like so, I I, I, I think what you got to look at is the what I just pulled up. Currently, right now, the Padres are going to be in are, are in the playoffs. Uh, wild card spot, you know, not where they probably saw themselves or predicted themselves, but I think we all knew like it was going to be a battle between the Dodgers and the Padres in some capacity. Did we think the Padres would be 13 and a half back? No, but they're putting themselves in a position to get in. And really that's what it's all about. So I think that's part of like, but they may not. I mean, the Reds uh, and the Phillies and even the Cardinals are all over them. Well, yeah, I mean, that is true, but I, for this scenario, like if the season ended today, they would put themselves in a position to be in. Do you and, do you say they are you saying right now that you feel like even with everything that's gone wrong and with as poorly as they've played, you think they're still gonna hold that spot? Yeah, I think so. I mean I don't I think for me when I look at the Reds, the Phillies, the Cardinals and the Mets, 
I'm not a believer in anything the Mets do just because, like, you know, you've showed you showed me your hand too many times in the past for me to believe what you have now is going to get you anything. The Cardinals are the Cardinals. I mean, you're five and five of your last ten, which, I mean, if you put a, a number on the season, like, that's where they're at. They're a win one, lose one. Kind of team. At least they put up six homers on the Brewers and gave us one good, one really good game this weekend. Right, but they turn around, they lose the next one. So like, and then the Philly, the Philly is just like, okay, what are you? Who are you? Like, I'm not sure what they are because one day they're a game back, two games back, but. I can't tell you any one good thing that they're doing well or any one person that is doing well. Well, Bryce Harper's doing well, and that's this this whole MVP thing, Daniel, and you know why, because it's ultimately you obviously know I'm steering toward Austin Riley. I did heavy research just last night, and he is beating the five guys who are in front of him for the odds on favorite according to Vegas. In every single statistical category except Tatis has beaten him in home runs and OPS. He literally has all stats across the board, batting average, home runs, RBIs, runs, over all the guys that are odds on favorite. The difference is every guy that's in front of him is a bigger name, and that pisses me off. Well, and home runs are sexy. I mean, that's just the the fact of the matter. Like, if you hit bombs, like – but he's got the second most of that group. But he, nobody knows who he is. I know, and that's what that's what drives me nuts. They should. Well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that statement at all. But is it is it Austin Riley's fault that the league doesn't know who he is, or is it the Braves' fault that the league doesn't know who he is? I mean, this is a valid point. I, I will say this on the Braves. Uh, Worth noting, um, only the the second team to do it. Um, their whole entire infield has twenty five plus home runs. Pretty uh, pretty nice stat out there. Yeah, and maybe that's a little bit of it too. Is he's getting in the spin cycle and caught in the wash of all the other players that that are doing well and having a, a decent season. But to me, this is. This- They lock him up. They make sure that, you know, he's the focal point. Anytime the Padres symbol is seen on TV, you're going to see him with it. You don't see that from the Braves and Austin Riley. And to be honest, like, when's the last time you saw that? Chipper Jones? Right. Greg Maddox? John Smoltz? You would think Atlanta was like some very small market team. Yeah, yeah, you would you would think, but you know, I I agree. Going back to what you said, I agree with you in the sense that it shouldn't be a popularity contest. It shouldn't be about sexy stats. It should be about overall play, and it should be about you know 
who's the most valuable player for your team and what they are accomplishing. So let um, me ask you, so let me ask you this, since I've done a lot of Braves talk, <clears throat> do the Braves, you're talking about a team that was up three, one in the NLCS last year on the Dodgers. Um, without, without Acuna, you know, do they, do they have enough from what you've seen? Like I said, they're putting up, they're putting up runs. You know, the, the pitching isn't as good as you'd like, um, but they're definitely winning games more than the losing games. Um, do they have enough to compete with the Dodgers or the Brewers or the Giants? It, it comes down to depth in, in the bullpen. Um, every postseason does. Yeah, it's great when you can put up runs, but you've got to be able to to minimize runs as well. And well, follow, following the fan group, because I don't get to watch all the games, their closer is over 30 saves, and I think his name's Smith. He's money. But the rest of their bullpen, I think, is dicey because I see a lot of unhappy fans on the regular. Well, and that's what it comes down to. It's Closers are great, but you got to get there. And, you know, you got to have – that's why – that's why teams that win it all usually have one or two big name arms, one or two big name bats, and a bullpen that is lights out. And, and by the way, just it. just a note for you, they I don't know if you saw it today, they inked uh, Morton to a one year extension. Well, they should. I mean, I don't know if he's back pitching, but I mean he he did everything and more that the Rays asked for him to do. He if if he's not pitching for the Rays last year, they don't they they don't make the World Series. They don't they don't even, in my opinion, get past the Astros um, last year. So he's he's a guy. But then again, like what what have you done for me lately? And that I don't know. But. The, the season is quickly going to come to an end, and, and we'll find that out. But, you know, with them being a game and a half up, do they have what it takes just to hold on to the lead? Or are, they gonna, are we going to see them finding themselves in a wild card battle or a battle for really either first place in the East or not even in the playoffs? Which I mean, that, that could be a possibility as well. Yeah, I mean that that whole thing's interesting because we were talking about the Padres. I think they got what it takes to uh, to win the East, but the the Phillies definitely, to their credit, aren't going away. They're uh, eight and two in their last ten. So we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, pull up their schedule real quick. See see if they got meetings um, down the stretch. No different than we just talked about how it went down with the Giants and Dodgers. You hope from a, just a casual baseball fan's perspective or a Band that's not of the team. You hope that they're playing each other. They are the second to last series. As a matter of fact, look at that because they got the Padres before that. They can do exactly what you were talking about when you were talking about the Cardinals last week. The last three series of the year, they can block the whole thing up. Yep. What? So, but here's what here's what I'll say. What can happen is they overlook. Washington, overlook Miami, overlook Colorado, and go into San Francisco. Yeah, and they got Arizona. Yeah, you bring that up. Look, so nine 
13 they got 13 games against very bad teams you what would you say the number is that you especially of a team that's supposed to be of the caliber they are what i mean honestly not trying to over exaggerate 11 of 13 need to need to be wins of those teams yeah i mean you want to you want to win two of three from all three of those teams you want to win you want to win all four from the from the diamondbacks i think so far late so late in the year that they play them that probably will be all right um if anything you definitely want to take three or four from arizona and then okay wherever you're at it's it's one game at a time figure it out which is good really because you know if all the teams if the mets do what they're supposed to do the phillies do what they're supposed to do the the padres do what they're supposed to do the braves do what they're supposed to do the the series against San Diego is is okay. We just need to win. That's what it comes down to: winning games. And it's almost like a, a early playoff series, you know, each week leading up to the playoffs because these teams, like these, are the the movers and shakers that we are talking about to to win the division or get a wild card spot. So Yeah, they I mean they got the most interesting schedule to finish the year. You got the team that they're competing for with in the wild card. If they don't win the division, then you got the two teams that are right behind in the division. So it'll be it'll be interesting. And that's usually when I get locked in. You know, I've been watching games here and there of different teams. Um especially if the Cardinals are out of the mix. Um you know just for Austin's sake I will be rooting for Atlanta in the the National League, obviously the American League, because you're my boy. I'll be rooting for the Rays. I sure as heck won't root for the Astros. Won't mind if the White Sox get it done. So, but uh, I'll be I'll be watching Atlanta down the stretch, rooting hard. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Cardinals. Just you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, they got the Dodgers three more. They got Cincinnati for three, New York for three. San Diego for three, Milwaukee for four. The Cubs are the only losing team on their schedule. Yeah, it's it goes back to what I've been preaching or what I always preach when we talk about, you know, even at the beginning of the season when we make our predictions. It comes down to winning games. You got to win games. You got to win more than you lose. And to end the season, you got to win series. and. You can't split series because you got to be able to make up ground. And the only way to make up ground is to win more than you lose. You, you can't win as many as you lose. You got to win more than you lose. So, um, you know, I, I want to quickly get into the standings again and, and see um, what's different. You know, what do you see being different between this week and next week? <laughs> The Dodgers in front of the Giants. I mean, is that is that going to be your mo from here on out? Is you're you're just going to keep saying that until eventually the Dodgers might find themselves in front of the Giants? No, I'll pick something different for you. Um, give me the Ray. Excuse me, the race, the Blue Jays to jump the Red Sox in the wild card standings. Blue Jays in the wild card. Noting it down, just for your information, you said last week the Dodgers were going to jump the Giants. Wrong. Didn't hey, I, I did. I, I, 
I've picked the Dodgers wrong back-to-back weeks, but going back to when I was right, I I picked in the same week, I picked the Yankees to jump to the top of the wild card, and they did it, and the Braves to take over the East, and they did it. So I did get two right before I got two wrong, which were the same two wrong in the Dodgers. So, I mean, I'm doing all right. True. So I I have been on the Cardinal bandwagon, and I said the Cardinals would be in the wild card. They are definitely three and a half games back of a wild card spot. So I'll go the same route that you did, but I'll go in the National League. And I'm going to say that the Phillies are going to be in the wild card at the end of the week. When we meet again, Phillies, wild card. So you say the Padres are going to hold on to it, but then you say the Phillies are going to jump them. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to make a prediction. That's not the long-term prediction by no means like yes i i think the padres are going to end up in that spot um but looking at the schedule for the fills looking at colorado and chicago oh look at those they got chicago colorado baltimore pittsburgh nice schedule so i mean that's that's kind of where where I was leaning with that, uh, by no means does that mean Philadelphia is going to win it all. No, but you know, between now and next week, they have a, a favorable schedule to get them into a wild card. So that's my pick for next yeah. week. Now it's time. It's the time, the moment we've been waiting for. That's right. Where do, where, where do we want to start? Can we just get LSU out of the way? You want to get LSU out of the way? Yes. All right. So let's let's go there. So, um, college football for you know first week of the season, really a, a, a great slate of games. Um, we we had some predictions and you know gave us a lot of fun and gave us some some games that that we wouldn't maybe necessarily watch that we ended up watching. But let's recap what we saw from our teams. Let's start with LSU, Jim. Um, not maybe how you thought it would go, but, you know, after talking to you, you don't seem in an uproar over it. Obviously, you're not happy with losing, but what what, what did you see and what's going on with LSU? Yeah, I wasn't in an uproar because of what we talked about. Um, you know, perspective's everything, and I'm going to continue to say that after what I saw two years ago, I was okay with some rough years, and I, and I didn't change my tune. Um you know, I didn't get nearly as mad as I normally would when they lose. But also with that, there was a second thing that goes to it, and it's within the game. After their 7 nothing lead, they never looked good at any point. And so I didn't find myself during that game after UCLA had gained the lead and furthermore when they had gotten up um, by two scores multiple times. Because anytime we, we scored, they'd come right back and score. I, Daniel, I never felt like they were going to win. And so it, it made it easier, you know, to soften the blow. And I'm going to be honest with you, Daniel, I, I'm not even being a hater on UCLA. I don't think UCLA was that good. I think, I think LSU's got that many problems. Um, you know, I posted a meme on, on Facebook that came from the LSU thing. It said, um, what do you think needs to be corrected for LSU football? And I was like, the coaching – 
the quarterback play, the linebacker play. And I said, you know what, actually, let me just make this easy. Other than three players, you know, Kayshawn Boot, um, Derek Stingley, and Elias Ricks, um, everybody on the field needs to take a look in the mirror and how to play. And, you know, I did all that talk about how good those corners were, Daniel. Hey, it doesn't matter how good your corners are if your linebackers and safeties. Um, and it wasn't like they can't cover it. They, they kept, you know, showing the replays back and, you know, doing the marker drawing on TV. I mean, communication breakdown. That tight end for UCLA, he had like five catches across the middle, including one that went for like 70 yards where like nobody was picking him up. Like the linebackers had no clue who's was who. The safety was like playing way off. Like it was just a defensive breakdown. Max Johnson, I understand, you know, um, he did get some playing time last year, but basically relatively new. I wasn't impressed with him. And, and Daniel, I got to ask you a question. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know too much in regard – as much as we're big football fans and we know so much, when it comes to a left-handed quarterback, I feel like, um, and, and, you know, he ain't Michael Vick, first of all, but, like, he kept getting rushed. And when he was rushed, he kept rolling to the right side and then having to throw with his left hand. And I felt like, you know, first of all, that didn't make sense to me. That's, you know, unorthodox, but like, it felt like him being left-handed made a bad situation worse. So he was already getting extremely pressured. And then it felt like he kept putting himself in a situation to make his throws that much more awkward. And he was throwing off his back foot, going to the right left-handed. And like, it was, it was tough to watch. He kept sailing balls. You know, he missed a receiver for a wide open touchdown. I just wasn't impressed. The run game was terrible. And, and Daniel, that's what scares me the most. This, this is what I'll end on as far as all my complaints. They were getting beat in the trenches by a Pac-12 team, bro. So when you see that, you fear playing Auburn, Alabama, um, Texas A&M, Florida. And that's why, as I think about this season going forward, I see lots of losses because if you can't win in the trenches against UCLA, you know what's going to happen in the SEC, bro. So I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, the the same thing that we talked about last week is when you open up the season with uh, UCLA is a name, okay, they're not a powerhouse by any means, but they do have a, a named coach. Uh, name, you know, university, so you know that you're not going to get some schlubs out there. Um, is it playing SEC? No, but it's different. But you got to be ready to go. Like, the communication, the breakdown, like, you don't, you don't have the, the ability to have errors and mistakes. Like, next week they play McNeese State. Like, that's a, a game where they can probably get away with some breakdowns and coverage and things like that and, and a lack of communication. UCLA is not. And, you know, we talked about it last week with those big 10 teams opening up conference play on week one. Like, there's no room for mistakes. Um, so, I, I think – Look, I'm it's, looking at the schedule right now, Daniel. I'm saying six and six. Just, I know it's just one week, and I'm not trying to be overreactive. 
I, I'm just looking at what I'm looking at. I, I'm giving them six and six. I ain't even kidding. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could e- I could even see them winning five games. I could. I gave them a win over Mississippi State, which may not happen. I, well, I, I mean, I, I think they'll beat Mississippi State. I They'll win the next two against those teams. Yeah. But then after that, I said I was said to myself, Kentucky, Louisiana, Monroe, and Arkansas, and even Arkansas could, could beat them. But I don't think they beat Auburn. Um, I don't think they beat Ole Miss from what I'm seeing on the, them. The way I'm watching Ole Miss hang points on my phone right now um, and the way I watch LSU play defense, that's a, that's a scary thought. Um, Florida look good. Texas A&M look good. I just – and obviously Alabama was a monster. Like, it's just – yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think – I don't even think they beat Kentucky. Man, don't, don't let that happen. I've ragged on Kentucky football a lot to our Kentucky baseball um, guests. Don't let that come back on me. Hey, I'm just saying, if if you're looking at it at it in a one game that's played so far, like, what is the one thing that Kentucky fans this week were happy about? Their quarterback eating a banana. Just their quarterback play in general. I <laughs> know. I'm just teasing. So, like, and, and you're telling me LSU just got torched by UCLA's quarterback? Okay. Yeah. So, it's it's going to be I mean, tough. I, I'm going to tell you right now that I don't know that the LSU Tigers could beat your Memphis Tigers, and I, and I genuinely mean that. Um. I don't know. I well, well, let's go there then. Since, since we were there, that, that was the segue. That was you know, Memphis recap. You're saying you don't think LSU could beat Memphis, and here's what I'll tell you: there were glimpses in the Nickel State game where I would agree with you, but there were many glimpses that I would not agree with you. Um, the the first things first: quarterback situation. All right, you don't name a quarterback. Grant Gunnell, the guy that you say is supposed to be your guy, the transfer that comes in because he's supposed to be your guy, um, isn't isn't suited up. You start a, a true freshman, and to be honest, man, like Seth Hennigan did great. He did he did everything you you asked of him um, in the game. No, he only threw one touchdown, had no interceptions, but was able to throw the ball, you know, with relative ease, had, two, you know, 19 of 32 uh, passing, 265 yards. Like You want to hear some funny perspective about Seth? Sure. So I looked him up afterward on social media because you know you know exactly what I was trying to do, trying try, try to get him on as a Dude. guest. Bro, bro, I almost got more followers than him, and I'm not even making that up. That tells you about who knows about Seth coming into that game. Yeah, so you don't – there's questions as far as who's the quarterback going to be because if if you told me, all right, you're traveling to Arkansas State this weekend, who's your starter? To me, it's Seth Hennigan. Got to be. I mean, he, he did well enough uh, – he did more than well enough, but you get what I'm saying. He did well enough that he, you know, deserves another week no matter what. And so then it leads me to the the running game, which I'll be honest, the running game was actually 
pretty good. 332 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Dreeks Clark looked good as expected. You you expected him to come in. He played a lot last year, you know, up until injury. Uh, Weaver played, you know, did did well last year. You expected him to get some touches. Asa Martin, same thing. Um, but you know, the one guy that that I saw that really just looked different than the rest in a good way was Brandon Thomas. Like, and he was the guy that they were questionable being able to be a feature back and be a lead back. But man, like he, if anybody looked good this past weekend, it was him. Like he really, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Daniel, when it comes to Memphis running backs, I don't question any of them anymore. You go all the way back to D'Angelo, but you look at, you got, you got three guys in the league, you know, toting the rock for, for that are from Memphis and, that they seem to be finding and putting out running back talent. So if there's anything you could ever tell me I believe in and with Memphis is that they got a guy in that backfield. And it could be a guy that you don't know before it all starts. Um, Cause I didn't know most of those other guys when they first started there and they produce. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the only downside is that you got a running back by committee. You got four or five guys that you're running in, you know, multiple times through a series and nobody's really that stable. Um, so I don't know if that's just scheme wise, that's just what they're going to do. They're going to have a fresh guy. They figure, well, all of our running backs are equally as good as one another. They can all block. They can all pass. They can all rush. Like, But you know, if one starts to play better than the rest, he's going to start to get more and more reps. He may not take the full job, but you, you have to. But then, see, there's there's the difference between the running back and the receiver committee is you got Calvin Austin, who is your best receiver. Um, but he's, he's a beast. He is a beast. But we got to figure out a way for him to use his athleticism, which they did a couple times. But I feel like they were trying to force him the ball in a couple of situations, which. I think he needs to give a chance to run a route and get open and, and then let's hit him because he's not doing us any good jumping up, making a catch in coverage and not being able to like catch it on the go. Like we got to right. figure out a way to let him catch it on the go so he can break some tackles. And Did you out. happen to see if our boy Reed Flanagan got in at all? Did he get any action? Do you know? I, I didn't see Reed get in. Um, you know, we got, you know, T-Pick got in. He had a solo tackle. Um, you know, our boy Morris Joseph got in. I mean, he started the game. You know, he he played well. Um, but you know, I I don't I don't know. I I don't know where we're at with Memphis, and I think that's okay right now. Um, but as we get closer to the end of next week's game and the start of week three, I think those answers need to come to light. We need to know um, who the quarterback is. We need to know who your lead rusher is. We need to know on the receiving end who's the who is the man. Well, I got I got my tickets today. The wifey got them, you know, as a student of Memphis for that Mississippi State game. So um, I hope it's solidified up then. Um, and if it's Seth, you know, I look forward to watching. You know, obviously it's a team game, but you know, being that we had Will Rogers on, um, I look forward to seeing that battle. Um, between Seth and Will possibly and, and that matchup between Memphis and an SEC opponent in, in Memphis's house. 
Oh, yeah. Here's what I'll leave you with with Memphis football. The most marketable guy on the, on the field for Memphis is the kicker. His name is Joe Doyle. And I couldn't help but just kept, say, kept saying, Joe Doyle rules. Joe <laughs> Doyle rules. Every time he came out there, and he had a hell of a game. Five for five, you know, field goals, three for three extra points. He had his longest of 38. I mean, I think he was the um, player of the week uh, for the Americans, possibly. Maybe special teams player of the week. I have to go back and look at it. But he got some type of accolade for his performance. So, shout out to Joe Doyle because he rules. <laughs> hey, so since Randy's not here, and I know we had Tennessee uh, slated to talk about, but we, we did have a Mississippi State guest on, and I did get to watch the Mississippi State game in its entirety. I was going to see if you let me have a minute to talk about that one, especially since our teams are both fixing to play them here in a few weeks, so back-to-back, as a matter of fact. So you'll never hear me complain about not – talking about Tennessee and talking about another team. <laughs> it won't happen. But, yeah, you may have the floor to, to tell me about what you saw with, with Mississippi State. Okay, so they obviously uh, dug themselves a huge hole. Um, it was their uh, biggest comeback in school history. Um, you know, and the reason why I want to talk about it is we had Will on here and his confidence, right? He He was a very confident individual not arrogant but I felt like he was confident and I bring that up because you know he was 23 of 26 to start the game um very very good and then he gets strip sacked um they end up scoring and then he throws a pick six and this game has gotten sideways all of a sudden um you know down three scores and um even though it is law tech and you know not a not a powerhouse by no means and and you're in your house so this this game shouldn't be this way um but i love it that this kid showed us that same confidence because he put this team on his back you know and credit to the defense they they made some stops you know like i said one person doesn't do a game receivers make their catches running backs do their runs but he led that team um back to victory and he threw the touchdown pass um uh, i feel like it was with a couple minutes maybe three minutes left uh to go ahead and so he stared adversity in the face the first game of the season um didn't quit even after making a major mistake and so i want i want to shout out will shout out mississippi state you know i'll put it to you like this like you know people some people are saying it's you know just louisiana tech but it's somebody whose team lost first week I'll take a comeback win against a team that's lesser than to lose, period. A hundred out of a hundred times. And, you know, and they did it. And what made it more impressive to me, Daniel, was um, he did it with a half full house. And what I mean by that is um, shame, shame on all the Mississippi State fans. Yeah, I'm doing it while we're doing a Mississippi State episode. Don't leave on your team in the third quarter. Hang it out. If you bought the tickets, you made the drive. Stick it out and see what your team can do. Have belief in them because they end up putting on a show down the stretch and got it done. So even with a half-empty house, he got it done. Well, I mean, that's the name of the game, man, especially, you know, when it comes to Mississippi State as they enter conference play. 
you got to persevere. You're going to have some setbacks. You're, you're probably going to have games where it it seems bigger than it is, and you got to slow it down and you got to stay with it. But wouldn't you say right. it helps them to be battle tested out the gate? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know the 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 gauntlet that they're going to face when it comes to conference. Like any hard fought game right now is only going to benefit them and any kind of struggle that you have early on especially if you can come back and win the game like you, you probably need those things now um, to get you prepared and ready because you can't afford to have those same mistakes um, when you're playing somebody like you know Kentucky LSU Tennessee like the middle tier SEC teams because that's how the games that you, you might have a chance to win, that's how you get beat. So I will say I will say this, and, and, and we'll end on this, and this goes to the Memphis note. Um, you know, the way Louisiana Tech was able to hang points up on Mississippi State, if you're a Memphis fan, you're encouraged. Absolutely. Um, you know, I am I, I'm a believer that Memphis will be able to score score points. I think the defense is much better um, than it's been in the past. You know, granted, we're playing nickel state. We probably should have dominated on defense. Probably shouldn't have gave up as many points as we did. But um, that goes into, well, who are we trying to get looks at? Are we having the starters? Are we having our original sets in the game? Probably not. Once you lock down a game like that, you're probably mixing it up and doing, doing some things a little bit different. Uh, if 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 our quarterback becomes present and the running backs continue to do what they do, I, I think athletically, you know, in the receiver position, we can match up and then you take our defense. And, you know, hey, we know they're going to sling the ball. Just sit back and, and try to make it difficult for them. So with that, man, let's uh, let's Keep talk matchups. Big, big games. Yeah, matchups this week. Um, for college football, you know, last week, what, what a what a great week. Um, but looking forward to week two. We got well, before, some well, well, before we go to week two, man, uh, uh, we can't we can't we can't gloss over the Georgia Clemson game. And I got to ask you, did it for, well, first of all, were you able to watch it? Uh, yeah, I watched it. Um, so know, let me so let me ask you, is that is that more of – and remember, I picked Georgia on the reason that Clemson lost so much was from that game, especially with the way the offense didn't muster up anything, was that more about Georgia's defense or was that more showing exactly what I had talked about and Clemson lost a ton? I mean, they lost, they lost their top – you know, they lost their quarterback, their top running back, top receiver. I mean – you know, and then they're not Alabama. They don't just transplant the next guy in. Well, it's uh, hard for me to answer that question without saying it's a little bit of both because it's like what comes first, the, the chicken or the egg? The defense for Georgia was very good, yes. One of the top defenses in the country. Hey, and it's worth yeah. noting that Kobe Dean had two of the seven sacks. That is a uh, Horn Lake slash South Haven product here in North Mississippi. So shout out to that kid. Yeah, when you're coming on the podcast, bro, get it. <laughs> no doubt. So so with that, yeah, you're, you're seeing a really good defense. 
but also you're seeing a, a quarterback who has had limited experience in a game against a team. So yeah, it's it's partly you know experience and got you know a new set of guys. But, but he had that one game last year where he played where where uh, Lawrence couldn't play, and they they said he was going to be the next greatest thing, and he was going to do all the same things, and then he couldn't even throw a touchdown. Well, if a lot of people were like, "Well, George's defense is just smothering him," and, and on on most occasions, yes, but there were a lot of times where the guy just he wouldn't get rid of the ball. He stayed in the pocket he would step up a little bit but then it, it was like there was either nobody to throw to or he wouldn't make the throw or he wouldn't make the reads fast enough so i mean i, I feel think, like i feel like clemson fans need to temper their expectations because you got to think we, we talk about trevor lawrence but the quarterback before that was deshaun watson those are two amazing guys man like so like if they think this guy is going to come in and just be one of them too. They need to calm down. On top of the fact that not only did they have star quarterbacks, they had star running backs too. So it wasn't like, yes, you're you're right. They need to temper expectations. I think um, Clemson's quarterback is the guy. I think he's going to be good. He showed that he had a game last year where he could be good. There were glimpses of the game this past weekend where he had the skills to do it, but you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Georgia for coming out on I mean, week one and, and just giving it to them. Look what that, look what happened in the ACC. You had North Carolina get knocked off. You had Miami get shellacked. You had Clemson get beat. I mean, Florida state, you know, obviously um, we were hoping they win, but the expectations were they'd lose. I mean, it, man, it, it got rough in the ACC. Well, I mean, Carolina lost to Virginia Tech, another ACC school. I mean, and Virginia Tech right now is not a ranking. They're a name. Um, anytime that Virginia Tech is on your schedule, you know that you're going to have to play well in order to be in the game. You're going to have to play really good to, to beat them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's probably going to be a, a, a down year for ACC. And, they're going to have to do something, especially with Oklahoma and Texas coming into um, the SEC in a few years. Like, it ain't going to get any easier at all. So, um, whatever recipe that Clemson has had in the past to get high caliber recruits, get them to stay, get them to excel, like those teams are going to have to follow that moniker. But um, you're right; your 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 top ranked teams can't get get molly whopped on week one by by you know good teams and expect to have some credibility because i mean miami despite what everyone else you know in miami thought like we knew that alabama was going to go and just put a hurting on them north carolina like we all agreed last week that we felt as though they were a little overrated and probably should have been, you know, based on how they played, you know, that was a, a good feeling. Clemson against Georgia, like, it, it is what it is. Like, it, you could flip a coin for that game. You knew that Clemson was going to have to be good to beat them. Um, 
but yeah, like they're going to have to do something to compete. And, and this year is not looking, it's not starting off like they would have hoped, I'm sure. Um, but hey, just, we, both, we both at least got a, uh, you know, I got the, the Georgia pick, right? But um, you got the Penn State pick, right? Yeah, I got the Penn State pick. Randy got Virginia Tech pick. Um, and then, you know, we I all. Sure didn't get, I sure didn't get the Raging Cajuns. Texas worked them over. So the, the, the question came up in text. Are we going off of point spread? Or are we going off wins or losses? You know, I'm, if, if we go off, off of wins and losses, then, you know, all of us won one game. Uh, if we're going off point spread, then I won two games and you, you and Randy won one. So I, I, I'm happy to oblige any request at this point. You can take point. You can take point spread, so you can hold that lead after week one. I'll give it to you. Well, we need to set have a set structure going forward. Is what I'm getting at. Um, if we, we're not going to, we'll, 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 we'll go point spread when we pick when we pick here in a minute. All right. So then, uh, because I took the big dog FSU and they did cover, I got a bonus point. So I got two points for that. So that puts me at at three total points. That puts Randy with one point because he got Virginia Tech um, who beat North Carolina, and you get your one point for Georgia over Clemson. So This week, my man, what do you got for us? Who are you looking at? Where are you leaning to? Who's going to make you the, the money? Who's going to get you top? I, I gotta, I gotta find a way to go three for three with you already jumping out like that. You know what I mean? Um, I know this. Ohio State, as I look at that Oregon game, that it's supposed to be death taxes. Ohio State and Alabama to cover. I can't believe they push. I'm not picking that game. I just, I just need to bring that up. But. Uh, all right, so is that our big game? Because that that's our two highest-ranked teams game. Is that going to – no different than Clemson-Georgia? Yeah, Oregon-Ohio State is the, the big game of the week. So that's that's the one. I, that... I assume we're both – I mean, let's be honest. We're both taking Ohio State, especially being in Columbus, correct? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't have the spreads here. Um, tell me who you're looking at, and I'll see if I can find a spread for you. Give me the spread on Tennessee Pittsburgh. Tennessee Pittsburgh. All right. See, this is what happens when my phone dies in the middle of the episode. I would have already had them pulled up, Keep making the listeners wait. Week two, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, three and a half underdog. Mm. Three and a half. So I can't pick them because we're picking underdogs. Um, all right, give me the spread, and I think this is going to be an, end up being the one I'm taking. Give me the spread on Toledo, Notre Dame. I want it. Tell me how big is it? 
All right, Toledo, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, 16 and a half. That's it? Oh, man, I thought I was going to get like 24. Ah. You know I want to bet against Notre Dame, and you did it and were rewarded for it. I should have done it. So Here's mad, I, I, I'll make it easy on you. Here's my big dog, all right? I'm taking Kansas against Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is getting no 25 don't, and a half. Don't do it, Daniel. Coastal Carolina for the second year was a juggernaut. You know what? Actually, do it. I need you to lose. Take it. All right. If you take that one, you know what, man? Uh, you know what? Get I don't care what the spread is. Give me Middle Tennessee on Virginia Tech after their big win. What's what, How many points am I getting? I know I got to be getting a lot. For Virginia Tech. Let's see. 19. Oh, yeah, that's my big dog. Middle Tennessee State. Just down the road. Let's go. So MTSU is getting 19. All right. Who you got? So who you now, take? You're, now's, our, now's, our, now's our small underdog, right? Yep. We're both taking Ohio State, correct? Correct. All right, man. Screw it. Screw it. I'm go go big or go home. Just just give me just give me Toledo. Because Toledo. the only because uh, the only other one I'm considering is Pittsburgh. And I'm not gonna do that to, to Randy while he's not here. That would only be fun if we, I could get him all stirred up picking against Tennessee at Tennessee. Um, so I'm not gonna do it. Not gonna do it to him. I'm gonna have respect. I'm gonna wait till he's here to start some foolishness. So give me, so give me Toledo to cover. You think Toledo? You realize that's a like a big dog, right? And I'm taking two big dogs. Do I get two points like you did if I get them on each? Do I get both? I mean that's not how the game was designed but i mean if you want to go that way we can i think you should if i get both of those i need i need reward the problem is i don't have my phone to look at the spreads and so i'm just i'm just going with with what i got here just give me that all right well for me i'm taking iowa iowa is a is iowa state is a Four-point favorite over Iowa, and I'm going to take Iowa as my small dog. Iowa, who just whooped their ranked. Yeah, that's an underdog. That's man. See, that's what happens when I can't see them. I would have picked. That's easy. Hey, sorry, bro. See, my phone died because I'm doing all the podcast work while we podcast, and ain't fair. You could take Arkansas. They're a six and a half point. They're getting six and a half against Texas. Oh, I'll say, yeah, give me that one. See, that's why I'm not, that, heck, I don't even see that on this board. I bet it's down. I bet you got to scroll. So you ain't even giving me the full display either. So you holding out on me, bro. I'm looking on my phone. 
Yeah, well, I'm talking about on the screen. I'm looking at. Yeah, right. get, give me give me Arkansas. All right, Arkansas. there we go. Getting six and a half. There you go. All right. So I think they're gonna win outright. How about that? All right. So let me let me recap this for you. All right. You got Ohio State. That's the top game of the week. You got for your small dog. You got Arkansas, who's getting six and a half, and your big dog MTSU, that's getting 19 points. For me, I got Ohio State. For my small dog, I'm getting, I'm taking Iowa, who's getting four points. And for my big underdog, I'm getting, I'm taking Kansas, that's getting 25 and a half points. And that will put us currently, the standings are three, Jim, one. Well, no, what we're going to do is we're going to do it a little differently. The top game, you get 1.4. The little dog, seven points and below, you get 1.4. The big dog, two points and, or seven points and above, you get two points. Yeah, that's so, why it's three. You got three and we both got one. No, Randy has two because his win was Virginia Tech, which was small uh, dog. So he gets two points. You just want to make sure that at the bottom. Okay, I see. I see. There we go. You like predicting games so much? Let's move on to NFL, man, because there's a lot, lot to, to predict here. We got week one of NFL opening up Thursday night. Obviously, you know, despite it being the Cowboys, Jim, are you looking forward to Thursday night football? Yes, and I have to tell you, Daniel, in one of my leagues, I decided to play a fourth league. One of our guests, Ryan Worsham, asked me to play in his league. He said it was a smaller league. It was a cheaper league. So I said, you know what, man, I'll, I'll play with you guys. And I'm telling you that because I drafted one Dak Prescott. How do you so feel about that? I feel good. And so with that, I want I want them Cowboys. And I'm a Buck hater. I'm a, I'm a Cowboy hater too, but – Right now, on recency bias, I'm a buck hater. Well, uh, I'm going Cowboys. I have to go Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys, and I'm going the go-ahead touchdown because it's going to be a close game. Dang, I'm even going to go out. The go-ahead touchdown is going to be C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. I like it. I like it. I hope the go-ahead touchdown is on drive one. I like that even. I like that even better. All right, so talk to me, Saints preview. Who who they got, and, and what are what are your expectations for the Saints? Well, they got the tall task of Green Bay. Good times. Um, they don't even get to play in their dome. They got to relocate and play in Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville may have the most attendance to a game finally, and it won't even be their team um, because as someone who lived there for almost three years, uh, they don't go to the games and, you know, they don't win more than four games a season. So um, it all makes sense. And so uh, Jacksonville gets a really amazing game with, or what should be two teams expectations. um, You know, I want to taste them. It's Jameis. I'm not going to root for somebody to not do well on that affects my team. So I hope Jameis goes out there and, and absolutely slangs it. You know, you don't have Michael Thomas. Um, 
So you really need Callaway to step up like he was doing in the preseason. Um, Traquan Smith. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, they're really lacking. They have the worst receiving core in the NFL. There's no doubt. And so what does that mean? It's probably going to hinge on, you know, what Alvin Kamara can do in the backfield. You're obviously going to have some gimmicks with Taysom. Um, the defense is still star studded. Um, the, the matchup to watch is Lattimore against Devonte Adams. Um, Lattimore, a top five corner, easily uh, shut down corner. He embraces, um, playing the best he's he has shut down Julio he shut down Mike Evans um last year when they played Green Bay Devontae Adams was actually hurt so uh I look forward to that matchup but I predict the Green Bay Packers to win yeah I mean that won't be a, a stretch of the imagination but it, it consistency under center that's what it's going to i mean they're they're the the number one seed back-to-back years in the nfc they just haven't been able to finish it off aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback aaron jones is healthy Devontae adams i mean it's and then you got you know you don't have drew Brees on the other side so i mean i don't even think it's a stretch i mean i think i honestly i think it's an easy pick as much as i hate to do it it's not an indictment on the saints as much as it is it's just a compliment to green bay yeah, would you be surprised if the Saints win? Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised, but I mean, it would if they do, it would show that you know if you look at their last you know what five seasons, I mean, they they have a winning culture, and it would show that they continue to do it. It would give credit to Sean Payton and and then the the veteran guys who are still around that aren't Drew Brees because there's still a lot of them. So. Um, I wouldn't just be completely surprised, but I mean, like I said, I, w- I wouldn't pick it. I, de- I definitely wouldn't lay any money on it, but um, you know, some people, you know, and some people are looking for excuses to help New Orleans say, you know, Aaron Rodgers missed a lot of camp, blah, blah, blah. Dude, kidding me. That guy doesn't have to go to a day of camp and he'll be fine. So let me ask you this. Let's say the Saints win. Do the Saints win because Jameis has a great game or do do the Saints win because Alvin Kamara has a great game? I think it has to be Jameis. Um, I think Green Bay is going to scheme for Alvin. So it's going to have to be on Jameis. It's it's why I was very scared to pick Alvin Kamara and I I have managed to pick him in, um, in two of my three fantasy leagues. I I, I feel like, and it's not going to necessarily be like that every week, but Green Bay is going to load and prepare for Alvin. It's going to have to be Jameis. And I think, you know, when you're talking about dueling Aaron Rodgers, I think, wouldn't you agree, Jameis is going to have to throw three or four touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, I I thought in, in the same lines that you did is we're going to – who's the best player on the Saints? We're going to take that guy away, and we're going to force the one guy who has to fight and get over the bat, the turnover battle. We're gonna force that guy to have to make plays. I mean, I, I if I'm Green Bay, I like my chances on that. Um, but what 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 game? So outside of our two teams, what game? Because we talked about it. There's some good games, and 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 it take us all night to go through them. So I want I wanted to see what game is the one that intrigues you the most outside of our guys. I think it's going to be the Jets and Carolina. <laughs> I I kid. 
I mean, obviously, I think Cleveland and Kansas City is a game that is intriguing uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, one, Cleveland is chasing you know, Kansas City, and how close have they gotten? I think that's, that's a good way to look at this is how far away is Cleveland from the top? I mean, they took, they took, they took them to the wire, you know, in the playoffs. So to your point, can, you know, it's not the playoffs, but can they, and it was, and it was at Kansas city. So, I mean, you basically got a rematch of, of that game last year. And so can Cleveland take another step forward? Um, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see it. I definitely think you picked the right one. For me though, it's, it's Arizona at Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, um, they picked up Julio. You got a you got a healthy AJ Brown, Derrick Henry in the backfield, Tannehill. Um, that offense is star studded. Arizona, same thing. You know, Kyler Murray, Hopkins, all those guys. Um, and so I'm interested to see. I think that game could be a really fun, high scoring game out the gate, but. Like, I mean, we could have picked a n- numerous ones. I mean, you're talking about two playoff teams in Seattle and Indianapolis. You got the story of the Bengals versus Minnesota because Joe Burrow's coming back. And then, you know, Jefferson plays from Minnesota. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, there's a lot of expectations for both those teams. I honestly think Pittsburgh isn't going to make much noise. I think Buffalo's legit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like uh, if you got the NFL Sunday ticket or if you're going to Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever, like, it's a good weekend. They're a good Sunday. Yeah, I think this is the week of uh, individual stories. I mean, obviously the the Browns and the Chiefs. That's a, a great matchup as far as you know down the road, long term implica- implications. But when you look at like Philly and Atlanta, right? What does Atlanta look like without Julio? What does Philadelphia look like? You know, in the quarterback position. Gardner Minshew even get a chance to play. Um, you, you look at Buffalo, they, they just paid Allen a, a, a shit ton of money. Is is he going to be as advertised? Is Pittsburgh going to bounce back from – I mean, they had what, a good regu- regular what's, – What's the worst game? Let me ask you this. All these great oh. games, there is two really duds. There is two really huge duds in there. What's the worst game? The Jets and Carolina that you made a joke about or Jacksonville and Houston? Oh, Jacksonville and Houston. <laughs> like, like this is a like for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, you couldn't have asked for a better team to open up with. But um, it it is the NFL. Like, it, no game is a gimme. So they're gonna have to go out there and play. And I think if I'm Houston and I'm on the defensive end, I say, all right, we're gonna see how good Trevor Lawrence really is. We're going we're gonna to make his day hard. You know how weird it's going to be seeing Houston without J.J. Watt in a Houston uniform? It'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Houston rolls out there with in general. So Other, let's, other let's, than at, at quarterback, I don't know what else is there. So let's pick a game, and since it's the only game we really hadn't talked about, I say we pick the Monday night football game. Well, I, I was going to do this. I was going to have you pick two games. I pick two games. Randy picked two games. It can't be the same game. And we make six you know, predictions every week. Okay. That sounds good. I'll give you the floor, man. I'll let you go first. You know, we'll do it snake style. Randy will just have to give us his three. I'll save his time, but 
you go ahead. You pick first. What's the first game that you want to pick? Straight up, winner, loser, no no point spread. Uh, I won't even pick like the easiest game or anything. Give me uh, give me the Rams over the Bears. Rams over the Bears. So. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to take the Rams. I think it's a, it's going to be a good day for Matt Stafford. I think it's going to be a good day for that uh, Rams receiving crew because I think they're going to air that thing out. All right, so for me, I'm going to go. Uh, where am I going to go? Yep, I'm going there, right there. Cleveland and Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City all day. Yeah, I like how you did a hesitation as if you didn't know who you were taking. Who you got, Cleveland or Kansas City? <clears throat> you going to now now's the time where this year is going to be the year where you waver off the off your team. Now, nah, give me give me give me Cleveland. All right. I'm glad you you went that way. All right, so my so my second game. Hmm. Buff, give me Buffalo over Pittsburgh. Oh, you sob. That's what I was taking, and that obviously tells you I'm with you on Buffalo. All right, so in college, I told you I wasn't going to pick against Randy's team without him being here. I can't say the same thing in the pros. I want Seattle over Indianapolis. Seattle over Indianapolis. I'm going to take Indy. Mm. Mm-mm. I'm taking them. Going right there. Boom. All right. Those are our four. Those are our games. So both of us got got two apiece. We'll let Randy pick two. And we'll have six games total. It'll be just something else fun to do. But man, it's uh been a long, long episode. A good night though. Um anything you wanna do a last call on, anything you wanna bring up or, or chat about before we get out of here? Yeah, I got to do this to you, man. Um, first of all, LSU women's soccer six and oh, we're talking about a team, Daniel. When we first interviewed our first two LSU soccer guests, um, up until they won that SEC tournament game against Alabama, they had not won a game. Um, and now this is a team that they talked about how young they were when they came on here, they've clearly grown. And they are now 6-0 and and ranked 17th in the country. And to stick with that topic, um, me and Taylor went and checked out another University of Memphis game. We got uh, Grace Storty coming up soon on the podcast. Um, we got to meet her, talk to her. And uh, Memphis remains undefeated, knocking off Alabama 3-1. to So I know you don't care about soccer, but you do care about our guests. And our guests from LSU are getting it done, and our future guest from Memphis is getting it done. Both teams undefeated. Tigers all the way, just different stripes. So shout out to them. 
And one more note, speaking of Tigers, um, September 25th, Kaya Johnson and Alana Shinakova coming to South Haven. Yeah, that's going to be a, a awesome event. Our really our second event as a podcast that we're we're putting together. Um, you know, if you're in the gymnastics realm and you don't know Alana or Kaya, like you, you need to get to know them. They are two of the top gymnasts in the country, and man, check out their Instagram. You know, check out LSU Women's Gymnastics. It is it's it's crazy, man. It it really is. So. Uh, anybody that is aspiring to be a gymnast, check them out. I'm telling you, like, you won't, you will not, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll come back and thank me in spades for sure that, that you went and checked those, those two out because they are awesome guests and, and I can't wait to have them back on. Uh, but more importantly, I'm glad we got an event for them to showcase them and, and, and get their name out there. So. Man, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up, man. Another great episode. I want to thank our guest Logan Tanner for joining us. I mean, such a you know, Jim, such a chill guy, calm guy. I mean, it's so funny when you see these guys on the field, like, and you know firsthand. You could probably talk to this talk to this point better than I can. Like, they're exciting. They're passionate. They're pumped up. Like, they're off the chain when they're on the field. But like, when you talk to them off the field, they're just the nicest people that you could meet, man. Absolutely. Um, so, but if you like hearing that story on Logan Tanner or more stories, or you just want to hear average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like, and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anchor. As always your comments, your ratings, and your feedback is always welcome. If you're looking to get some swag, check out the end off the bench website, get your t-shirt today. We got your color for your team for any event. Just let us know. Hook it up. Man, we got you covered. We will see everyone back next week for episode two of season four. Man, season four. It's been quite a journey. So excited, man. And we're going to you know, continue the tradition of amazing athletes. We got on the baseball NCAA Division One. Freshman of the year, Jacob Gonzalez. He's the shortstop at Ole Miss. You're not going to want to miss that episode. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.